0: Hello, you're listening to the podcast, So There I Was. It's how all great aviation tales begin. This is episode 70, Flywire, Where's the Rock? Where's the rock? (laughs) (laughs) Where is that thing? That's a good story.
1: (laughs) Gunny has a bunch of good stories.
0: He does indeed. Let's get the admin stuff out of the way real quick, though. Sponsored for this episode... Babbel at babbel.com slash so there I was, where you get 55% off your language learning journey.
1: 55, 55.
0: That's right. We're going to oblondo a little more about that during the show. And uh, so stay tuned and listen. And we really appreciate you going to visit our sponsors. We also appreciate the folks over at backbeatmedia.com like Dave Hamilton, who... Handles all our advertising. He gives us the technical know how to actually get this show out to you. It is greatly appreciated for all your support and your help. We do indeed appreciate it. Thank you to Chase Cole over on the uh, Facebook group. So there I was uh, helping run that over there and welcoming new folks and that sort of stuff. We really appreciate that. Yes. Thank you, Chase. One of the things we're putting up there is photos. What should people do with their photos, Fig? Send them to Fig
1: or Sticks. Or repeat at us showing where you're listening to the podcast. We've had pictures from the top of Mount Fuji, from New Hampshire on a road trip. Vermont. Somebody sent us one on a commode, but we're not going to put that one up.
0: <laughs> I don't even think I saw that one. Thank goodness. But okay. <laughs> Hey, I don't care where they are. I'm just glad they're listening.
1: Share the show, man. Absolutely.
0: Because if you share the show, more people will listen, and the show grows, and then we get more advertising, which means we can bring more shows to you. So if you like the show, share the show. Tell a friend about it.
1: Share the show.
0: I challenge everybody listening to this show. Spend 90 seconds and get this show somewhere on one of your social media things, be it Twitter or Facebook, or you know what? There's this thing called a, a, an iPhone. You can actually pick that up. It's got an app on it that makes phone calls. Call your friend and tell them about the show.
1: Use the little box with the arrow on it and share it via text message even.
0: Oh, outstanding <laughs> yeah. idea. Know, yeah. Right. yeah. And the best way to subscribe to it on any smartphone is so sothereiwas.us slash sub sub and that will take you to the page that will open up podcasts, be it on your Android or your iPhone and let you listen to every episode when they come out. That's kind of cool. It's cool. Thanks to Brad Sulcott over at BDS aviation. That's Bravo Delta Sierra aviation com. He has given us some amazing photos that we use on the website and we are deeply appreciative of that. He's got some amazing Harrier photos. Two new patrons this week. Uh, Peter Duncan, thank you very much. Uh, call sign? Donuts. Donuts. It's almost too easy. I know, <laughs> right? Give me a hard one. Right? Let's see. Uh, Jason Spears. Is uh, he dropped a couple of Benjamins on us, and we are deeply appreciative. Thank you, so, sir.
1: So I, I you know, I'm going to yeah. reevaluate the call sign choice I chose for him, oh. and, I, and and we're going to make it a little more sporty and say call sign Javelin. Oh, there you go. Right. Beautiful.
0: Very it's well done.
1: Like a spear.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But he actually asked, I said, hey, would you like a dedication for uh, this uh, fine donation? He said, yeah, no, I got a task for you, though. Fig knows a gent by the name of John D'Angelo, and he turned me on to your show. So I want you to come up with a call sign for him. What'd you do, Fig? Well, he's
1: from West Virginia, so uh, I think Dago Billy.
0: (laughs) It's
1: a perfect uh, call sign. He's a digabilly. Dagabilly. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. I know, John. Huh? And uh, I think he's going to appreciate that. He better. That he is going to kick me in the nuts faster. when I'm not looking. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, anything could happen. Oh, my goodness. All right. The merch store is up and running. We've got some amazing stuff there. Hats. Drinking glasses. Beer mugs, koozies, T-shirts, polo shirts. Did you say bikini? I didn't, but you did. <laughs> Get we one for bikini. your wife. Yeah. One for your...
1: One for your girlfriend. Right? Just don't let them wear them at the same time. For meet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> With a So There I Was logo right on the all the itty-bitty parts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> on the bikini parts. Yeah. Yeah. it's awesome.
0: Yeah. So good stuff. Uh, I don't think we talked about the glossary, but we talk about it all the time. So know that there's a glossary on our website. Wow, the show is growing. I think we're up sixty percent in the last month in growth. Keep sharing the show. Did we say share the show earlier? Share the show. Just share the show. Yeah. All right. Hey, let's talk a little bit about our guest this week, Scott Gunny Purdue, and then let's get out of the way and let the Gunny tell his stories. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, uh, was, we have
1: a theme. We have a theme, yeah. it seems like. He uh, started as an enlisted Marine yeah. and got his way into aviation. Uh, he started from an aviation background, but uh, I'm not going to run that for you. He'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah. But he ended up in the Air Force because the Marine Corps, I wasn't going to give him a pilot slot. I mean, they, they gave him one, but then they took it away.
0: Funny how that happens, Weird, especially right? in the '84 time frame. <clears throat> you know. present that, that company here. <laughs> might have had us, uh,
1: something uh, that yeah. might have happened to somebody we know.
0: Yeah, but he walked into the Coast Guard recruiter's office and became a marine that day.
1: <laughs> Funny how that works.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, Indeed. Sticks.
0: Yeah. What happened? What gotta... the hell happened to you, Sticks? Right. And we got another theme going here too. This is the third Gunny that we've had on the show. Well, you ain't kidding. We've had Gunny Go, Gunny yeah. Sax, now Gunny Purdue. So, yeah. if the name sounds familiar, Scott Purdue has a channel called Flywire. Yeah, YouTube it's on YouTube called Flywire. Yeah. yeah, huge, huge channel and great aviation content there. If you think our show is good, he's got his hands down, and he's got several hundred thousand followers. Because what he offers is amazing content and a lot of accident reviews, that sort of thing, which is kind of where this week's show title comes from, Where's the Rock?
1: Where's the Rock? Yeah. He
0: said, I was having people write in, going, well, all you have to do is tie a rock on a string and you'll always know where the ground is. He goes, okay.
1: Watch, hey, watch this. Yeah.
0: Hold my beer. Watch this. <laughs> yeah. He's
1: got great stories. F-4 Phantom, F-15 Eagle, and then even told a kind of a horrific
0: story flying an F, uh, F-100 Fokker I, I think that's the most terrifying story of the day. <laughs> yeah. I'd no see. ejection seat for him or the passengers. No. No,
1: it's just terrifying.
0: I hate to hear it. Well, I'll tell you what, I hate to hear it, but you're gonna love to hear it. He's got some great stories I say, Let's get out of the way. Wait, one more thing. Oh. Compulsive storyteller. Oh. Compulsive thank
1: you. storyteller. Me too, mom. Yeah. It's
0: actually really good. Yeah. So you're gonna notice in the feed this week you're gonna get an extra show from us but it's not from us. It's from the compulsive storyteller and it's episode me too, mom. And it talks about his mother becoming one of the first uh, female aviators in the world war II era. Yeah. So they called them wasps. Yeah. He's going to put his show or our show with uh, Tammy Joe on his feed. So his listeners can hear us and we're putting his show on, on our feed so you get to hear him and i think you're really going to enjoy it i listened to the episode and it was a lot of fun yeah he's I good at what so he too. does all right then let's do it no well, don't wait around no more quit rally gagging don't sit on the ejection seat
1: handle. crossing the do
2: here comes gun at night in the world's smallest cockpit on the tanker through the weather Oh, and to the uh, tanker crew who uh, did that, thanks a lot. We really appreciated that. You're just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Well, there I was, crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fun. So, there I was, inverted. Doing a ridge
3: cross on the run for the roses on my first red flag, second week, and it turns out that the other, uh, the the ground on the other side, I was pulling about four Gs down. The ground on the other side was fifteen hundred feet closer than where I started. (laughs) No, that'll get your attention. And that's how all
0: great aviation tales begin. (laughs) Greetings, everybody. Repeat here. Coming to you from New Hampshire today, we're with Gunny and my co host Fig. Hello,
1: hello. Good to be here again. Good to see you, Gunny. Thank you for joining
3: us. Glad to be here.
0: Indeed. So, don't always use names, but gunnys that's his call sign. And uh, you may know him from the Flywire channel on YouTube. Uh, So, that is uh, none other than Scott Perdue. We are thrilled that you could join us, sir. We really appreciate that. So, what airplane were you in when you
3: did that? Was that a Phantom? It was a Phantom. It was an F4. And uh, like I said, I was in my first red flag, but it was the second week, you know. And, uh, So the first one, you you know, you're just kind of getting used to things and, and, and all that. And the second week, you know, they're picking up the pace, you're dropping live and stuff like that. The crucial thing in that, in my intro there is, is it was the run for the roses.
1: What what does that mean? What does that mean? guy?
3: It's over. You're going home. Okay. Okay. So in other words, you've already hit the, hit the range. You're hit the 70 series range. You're coming back over the farms, which is just north of the big box area 51 And, you know, you're heading back home uh, to join the conga line going into Nellis. So (laughs) we've been bounced a lot by these, uh, by the red air, you know, and what they've been doing is, is hanging on the ridges. So when you do a ridge cross, they tap you, you know, or you, when you're just doing the ridge cross, so you don't see them and, you know, okay, I got their number. Sneaky right. bastards. Sneaky <laughs> bastards. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with them, you know. So uh, uh coming up as I remember it's Worthington is the name of the mountain. It's on the uh eastern side of the farms. And if you've been to Red Flag, uh just north of the big box, area fifty one, there's yes. these great big circular um farms, you know, where they they yeah, uh, yeah, big crop circles. Yeah, crop circles. They irrigate it, yeah. It's right by Rachel, Nevada, and, uh, you know, we're screaming across the, uh, the, the past quartzite. We're screaming across the deck, you know, 100 feet, uh, doing the speed of heat. I mean, we're literally probably 550, 600 knots, and we're nice. these a pretty tall mountain, so, you know, you sneak up a little bit, and then we do a ridge cross the other side, so I do an initial pull down and get my nose going down, and then I, I, I unload a little bit and pause, so I'm looking for, uh, where are the bad guys? Well, yeah. you know, um, they're already gone because they have a lot less gas than we do. <laughs> 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 so I realize that, you know, I, it's not that I realized that at that time, but I'm, I pull the nose down and I roll out and there's nobody there. That's great. And I realize, oh no, there's, uh, the desert is a lot closer than it was when I started this poll. Ground's so coming up fast. <laughs> the ground is coming up. All, I mean, a lot. Really faster than is very comfortable, and so what I did was, I'm, we were still doing probably better than 500 knots. I planted that stick all the way to the sea pan, and it's just whoosh, just like that. <laughs> <The> airplane goes <laughs> like this, and what I remember seeing was cactus out of my peripheral vision. Oh shit! So <laughs> what? 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 Fortunate that uh, for, for me and my kids, actually, that uh, I hit a valley. You know, I went right into a little bit of a valley. The, yeah. the cactus are up here, and I wasn't a statistic. And I, I climb out, and I'm wing. I'm on the wing. So uh, I was in perfect formation when we started this. And then when I did that, I was down to, I want to say, 210 knots. I burned over 200-plus knots, just like that. You know, wow. it was a monster break turn and Lee, Lee he, he calls out, says, where the hell are you? I said, I'm at your <laughs> for, for a mile and a half. So <laughs> I'll catch up. I'll guns, 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 guns. <laughs> did, uh, did you,
1: so, re- oh. did you have a backseater? Did you have a wizzo? I did. I did and was uh, he, back- was he clenched up or uh, was, <laughs> oh, was he screaming? At
3: a- so here's the here's, here's what happened with that. Uh, the key master is who I flew with, and we okay. probably had about 50 or 60 hours together. So we we're very comfortable as a crew at this point. And um, he, he, we communicated when I, when I pulled down and I rolled out and I realized that was going on. He, uh, he asked me, are we going to make it? Are we Are going to avoid the ground? And I said, yes, we're going to avoid the ground. Don't eject us. Okay. <laughs> so, so we didn't because he had command ejection. And oh uh, he didn't do it. And we did. We climbed out. I rejoined on lead. We landed. And back in those days, you know, you had uh, a little tape recorder with a plug into the uh, audio system. So that's how basically you debriefed because there weren't any fancy tape recorders or, you know, yeah, video no recorders. Yeah. Yeah. Right? None of that. No HUD tape. <clears throat> there was no HUDs, or at least we didn't have them. So, um, we went back to the hotel and, uh, getting ready for dinner. Uh, we played the tape. Okay, so here's what the tape said. It uh, says, "Remember what I just told you. Our communication was right. Yes, yeah. Are are we going to make it? Yes, we're going to be fine. Don't eject us." And uh, he and uh, we played the tape, and he he said, "Are we?" And I said, "We are. We are."
1: (laughs) So it's abbreviated. (laughs) Yes, that's pretty odd. That's
3: good. That's crew communication, though. Right, that's true I mean, communication. Yeah. We actually communicated to each other, yes. But it, 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 the words that were said were not well, what the
1: communication you know, was. When you're doing right. 550 knots and the ground's coming at quick, there isn't time for a lot of verbiage, right? And not
3: much time at all. Not much you're time, not time at, all. at all. Remember, yeah.
0: I still see him.
1: Yes. right
3: here.
0: <laughs> yes. And for our non-tactical aviation listeners, uh, th- that's how it's done in a tactical aircraft. You you pull up and then you roll inverted to pull back down the other side of a mountain, so that you aren't pushing negative G's and pushing yeah. a bunch of blood to your head. That would be extremely uncomfortable. So you're always trying to keep positive G's on the jet. So that's why he's describing it like that. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and my then a lot more positive G's was... on the backside.
3: Yeah, my big lesson <laughs> so. learned was military crest. Pull over, roll out. You know, not yeah. the. I'm, I'm not going to hug the other side, right? So, right. That reminds
0: me of just a real quick story. I did that one day. We were coming across. I had a, uh, a grunt company commander or battalion commander in my back seat. I was showing him what Marine aviation could do, and we crossed the Salton Sea and went up the mountains on the west side of that. And I rolled inverted, and as I just about to pull down, I had I don't know. 10 or 12 hang gliders right yes. in my windscreen.
1: Yes. I had the exact same thing. Whoa. Exact same thing. Same spot. Yeah.
0: Terrifying. Uh, uh, yes. Good hang gliding location, uh, except that it's on a low altitude military yeah. training route there, a, folks. Yeah. On a VR, <laughs> on a VR tra-
1: route, hang gliders
0: apparently don't check NOTAMs. So it's no. weird. All no. right. Yeah. What are the odds? do <laughs> <So>. Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, let's back up a little, if we could, sir. Um, how, how is it you became interested in aviation?
3: Well, my dad, uh, uh, I grew up with it. My, my folks said my first word was pilot. Nice. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> but, so my dad was a, uh, he was, he went through the uh, civilian pilotary program prior to world war two. And, okay. uh, and then during the war he joined the Marine Corps and was a Marine pilot. And, uh, uh, so he'd always loved flying after he, after the war, he was, a. um, He spent a little time as a uh, uh, commercial pilot for uh, uh, a preacher, actually, a traveling preacher. And uh, then he was a salesman, but he always loved flying. And uh, I I grew up, we always went on vacations in airplanes. Um, After a while, he was a partner in an outfit called Flying 10 in San Antonio. They had three Bonanzas. They had a F-33A, an A-36, and a V-35B. And the V-35B actually was four four zero hotel and I tried to buy it from the guy who bought it from Flying Ten. And if you've seen a lot of my videos, the spatial D uh video I did mm-hmm. uh about four four zero hotel. That was a spectacularly bad uh spatial disorientation accident, fatal accident. Mm. So anyway, he had a steerman too, and this is actually his second steerman. Uh, four, seven, six, the first one he owned with another fella who crashed it. And then he bought this one and I, at, at some point I spent about 10 years restoring it. So I love flying. I love flying. It's one of the things that he and I shared, um, closely, you know, we would actually trade yeah. off and take offs and, and the, uh, and the steerman. that was a fun thing. He was always better at three point landings than I was, and I was better at wheel landings. So
1: <laughs> what, nice. what did your
3: dad fly in the uh, Marine Corps? Well, he, uh, so that's an interesting story there. Uh, I, I probably have some of his genes in that, uh, he, he had done the CPT program, right? So he'd already been, he had his pilot license and the whole reason for the civilian pilot training program was to generate pilots that we could just jump right in and, uh, uh, serve. Um, so. When just after the war started, he went to uh, the Air Force and uh, did a did a flight physical. And he 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 was a cocky guy, and uh, they did the color blind test. And he could see the numbers, but he was he thought this was bogus, and he just he just effed with the uh, the guy doing the test. Yeah, and it was not a good plan because the guy doing the test had, had a, probably 100 150 other guys. He didn't have a lot of time or a lot of patience and uh, he says you fail wow. wow and so at that point he's like okay he's not going to be a pilot he 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 uh uh he was set back on his heels yeah, yeah. and he joined uh the civilian construction corps and went to built the, the airfield at Trinidad the island on Trinidad and on the way back um he's he's on the fantail of this uh this uh fr- freighter, I guess it was. And, uh, u took a shot at him and he tell, he used to tell the stories on the fan And he, he, all of a sudden all these people start yelling and there's a bubble trail there. The boat takes a real sharp turn and there's a bubble trail right by his face. Oh it's-
1: shit. shit. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. So, yeah. So when he yeah. got back from that, he, uh, he joined the Marine Corps Boom. as an enlisted guy. And, yeah. Uh, okay. And he, uh, he still wanted to fly, so he always, uh, he actually knew Morse code. So instead of going with his platoon to Tarawa, he stayed as a radio operator and was at, went to Cherry Point. And uh, they had uh, Cubs there or close to there for rent. So he flew and eventually talked himself into pilot training and That's finished. Awesome. Yeah, finished pilot training at the end of the war in Corpus. So he actually never flew anything more than the SNJ. He wanted to fly okay. the Corsair real bad, but he didn't get a chance.
0: Oh, still, oh, that's awesome though. He finally get himself into flight school, and, and even that—that's fantastic. Oh, very cool. And then all was flying. That's great. That's a that's wonderful that you just you know you grew up around it. Um, do you, yeah. Do you do you remember when you first soloed?
3: And oh yeah. I do. I was, I was, uh, uh, this fits with my Coast Guard story. Sticks isn't around right now, right? No, 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 he
0: had none yet. I don't know if he's watching on Facebook or anything.
3: Haven't heard from him yet. (laughs) Okay. okay. Should I start with this Coast Guard story? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Okay. This leads into, into how I started flying. Um, so, uh, I, I graduated high school early, about a year early. And, uh, I'd always worked. Always worked in the summers. You know, I worked for a construction company, and mm-hmm. I delivered newspapers since I was in fifth grade and everything. in '74, there was this big recession thing going on. Oh yeah, and I couldn't get a job anywhere. So what I ended up doing was just drinking beer every night. All right, and, yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a good alternative. <laughs> it's a good alternative. Uh, and except for you, wake up in the morning. Every morning, I'd wake up to the Brady Bunch on TV and after a while I just couldn't handle it anymore. I mean, there's, I'm not doing anything. All I'm doing is get the drunk. So I went downtown to the uh, recruiter and, um, back in those days, all the recruiters were on downtown, usually on the same floor. And it's usually in the same building where the MEP station, you know, where you do your sure. medical and all.
4: That. Right.
3: And sure. so I went up there and I went to the coast guard because a friend of mine from high school had joined the coast guard and, he he told great stories about hey there I'm on this boat that it's the surf hits it and it'll roll around and it, it just sounded like a lot of fun. So uh, I'm not a boat guy anyway. But <laughs> so anyway, I went to the Coast Guard. I spent about an hour, hour and a half talking to these guys. You know, it's like great. I said you're just the kind of guy we want. And uh, I said well great. When can I start? And they said oh you know it's going to be at least six months before we have room for you mm. and. I I said, six months. That's a long, long time. Yeah, it's a long right. time. I'm, I'm on a dead end here. This is not good. Take so. that
0: much more of Marsha and Greg and Peter. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't good enough for the Coast Guard. And I walked down the hallway and I'm going, geez, what am I going to do? And uh, I passed the, the Marine recruiter office. You know, and my dad was a Marine. I think when I was younger, I wanted to be a Marine. So uh, I stopped and I looked inside and there's this guy behind, uh, there's, uh, some people waiting in, in couches and behind this uh, office with a big window, guy had s- striped from here to there and metals from like that, <laughs> uh, looked up at me and he looked back down and he looked up again and he, he walked out, uh, at a quick pace out of the office, shift my hand, dragged me into the office. And in two days I was in San Diego. Getting my hair <laughs> wow. Now that's more
0: like it right now. Right? <laughs> that's how you join the Marine Corps. <laughs> that's
3: how you join the Marine Corps. Just yeah. walk yeah. by the office right. too
0: slowly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and before you know it, your feet are on the, the painted feet and they're shaving right. your head. Right. And right. you don't have a choice. So fast forward a couple of years, I'm in Paris Island and what I want to do is fly fly fighters. And I know I gotta go to college and do all that. So I'm trying to get all that done. Uh and, uh, I joined the, uh, Hunter Army Airfield, uh, Aero Club in Savannah. Yeah. PI is not a big, far, big drive. And that's, that's where, uh, where I started flying in a 150, Cessna so the 150. They have a 10,000 foot runway. And, uh, the guy was right. flying with, it. I think he was 300 pounds was cool <laughs> in one, those, you know, yeah. cause I mean, I'm in a 150 and I'm flying like this because he takes up <laughs> three quarters of the room and, uh, when I got to solo. Uh it was summertime, you know, and you can think of one fifty with it's way overgross. I'm sure we were way overgross, Yeah. But ten thousand feet of runway, you know. Using I mean, it all, huh? Yeah, it'll fly. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of solo he gets out of the airplane, and what I remember is is uh when I put the power to it, man, and all of a sudden woof, you know, like a rocket. yeah. It's it like, a rocket like a rocket ship, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like a little <laughs> rocket ship. That's awesome. I've been to Hunter Harn- so, I've been to Hunter Ryan Airfield a little, multiple times actually. Yeah. Um, so, so what, what were you doing at Parris
3: Island? What was your, uh, what was your, you were, you weren't in the drill field, were you? No, I wasn't. I was, uh, uh when I was at Pendleton, my first assignment was in Pendleton. Okay. Uh, this is back in the Carter days and, uh, there was not a lot going on. And I was a grunt originally and nothing was going on. I mean, we weren't even training. And they stuck me on the uh, prisoner run between uh, Pendleton and San Diego. So I'm the guy in the cattle car with the, you know, the wooden baton, trying to keep these guys in order between, you know, the drunks and all that stuff, oh uh, my going gosh. between places. And yeah. it, I'm <laughs> saying, this is this is not working out for me. Oh,
1: so what uh, you signed
3: up for? Yes, I want to have something <laughs> going on. Yeah. So I'd made friends with the ki- the company clerk and uh so I talked him into looking and see what uh, what I could uh, qualify for based on my test scores and uh it was computers. So he wangled an assignment for me to go to Iwakuni, Japan <laughs> as a as a computer guy. And uh so I went to Six fast and uh and Iwakuni in seventy five. So Outstanding. I went to PI. Okay. And they were talking about, yeah, you're going to go and be because I was a NCO at that point, and uh you're going to be a DI. But my MOS was critical when I got the PI, so that's what I did. Didn't didn't learn how to shout at a wall. Well, that's okay. It gave you extra. Probably gave you extra time for the flying part. <laughs> it, it did. I, I'm, right? I'm yeah. sure I would not have time if I was DI. <laughs> no, no,
1: those guys are. That's very busy. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, you uh, we chatted the other day. You told me an interesting story about your time at Iwakuni, though. Uh, out, uh, oh, yeah. out, PT, along the seawall. Fig, remember running around the seawall out there yes. doing your uh, yes, sir, yeah. I do. Yeah. Well, he yeah. he was out for a jog on the seawall one day himself, and
3: uh, things got colorful. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that story, but I want to tell you another one about the seawall. Okay. So um, when I was stationed in Iwakuni, I got the uh, you know all the uh, a whole bunch of licenses to drive you know. Because sure. you had to get a a ticket to drive every different kind of vehicle, so right. our, our, we had we had a typhoon i had the uh, jeep i had the uh, company jeep under my control during this typhoon so <laughs> what we did was is uh, it was one of those m one fifty one jeeps which has uh, got the swing axles and the rear so you if you got it in a real tight circle, it would hope over you know, not flip over, but a hump over and you, you can do a real tight s- spin. So <laughs> yeah. what we did was, is uh, I think three or four of us got in the Jeep in the, in the middle of the typhoon, you know, board and we drive, but there's a road, you know, the seawall's up here and then it goes down and there's a little bit of a, uh, a ditch, I guess it is the road and then the uh, runway. So we're driving along the runway and the The waves are crashing over us, you know, (laughs) throwing throwing water over us and stuff like that. We didn't think anything of it. It's just a typhoon. What is that? Yeah, typhoon. No big deal. Yeah, yeah. Go back to back to the story. Uh, uh, I'm running the seawall, and I want I want to do is I want to fly fighters. So I I spent a lot of time looking at uh, watching uh, Harriers, and uh, uh, they had F4s there. Um, Let's see, they had A6s and a fours as well. Uh, so the, I was at barrack 1672 on the other side of the base for a long time. And, uh, right off, the uh, right outside the barracks was the hard pan where the Harriers would do their hover practice. Yeah. yeah. So I spent a lot of time watching the, uh, probably lost some of my hearing at that point, you know, watching the Harriers do their thing. So I'm running this wall one day, you know, and I'm watching ops and, uh, I see this harrier come in and, uh, he comes in over the water and he starts slowing down and he's, he starts, I guess he's running the nozzles out and he starts slowing down like this and he's going to do a vertical landing. It appears to me and I'm watching him and running along and uh, he doesn't quit pitching up and I said, Oh my gosh, this is weird. So I stop and I'm watching him and I see him continue to pitch up and then he, he runs past the nozzles and the airplane falls. Boom. Oh boy. to the to the runway. Yeah. And then there's something breaks. I don't know if the tail broke or whatever, but it falls over kind of on its side. And I'm just going, Oh my gosh, I've right. never seen anything like this. So I'm just standing. I'm I probably about two thousand feet from it, maybe a little less, because, you know, and you can't get to it anyway, because of that uh, that ditch and everything, uh, right. on from the wall. So I'm a spectator and I'm watching it. And I see the crash truck, which, uh, so the Marines in the Navy, you guys know this, you always have a crash truck in midfield for, on the duty. So ready to go.
4: Problem,
3: yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they're there in a second. Yeah. So I'm watching him come up thinking, wow, this is just amazing. And then the pilot starts climbing out of the Harrier. So I guess he shut it off and he's climbing out and the, uh, crash truck's coming on and it's going fast and I, I start looking at the crash truck because he's not slowing down and he's getting closer and closer to the harrier and i guess you know i, I couldn't quite see his uh, driver's eyes but i'm sure he went, ah! because he's driving right at the harrier and he's not slowing down and he realizes oh man i'm going to hit it so he spins the wheel to try to turn the truck it doesn't turn you know it's an inertia thing here right and yeah Real heavy, all that water. So it kind of goes like this and over on its side, slides into the uh, Harrier, smashes it, throws the pilot off the side, and he breaks. I think he broke, they broke his leg, maybe an arm. Oh my uh, gosh. And the crash truck, everybody was hurt except for the driver, and he's hanging on to the wheel. How about that? How about crashing a
1: Harrier and walking away from it, and then getting smashed by the t- crash truck?
0: I know, oh, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just not your day.
3: No, not your day. Oh, okay. No, terrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After, when I was in the Air Force, we do the crew coordination brief, and I say, if we have to do a ground egress, okay, we're gonna we're gonna go off the uh, uh, perpendicular to the airplane, and we're gonna meet. Whoever's running the fastest, right?
0: Exactly. A uh, quick story on that, actually. So I was in in Beville in flight school in A fours and one of my instructors had been an A6 pilot doing the transition to the Harrier. He uh, wound up they wound up ejecting the, the airplane had a. a poorly installed uh i think it was the the bell housing for the where the stick was anyway the airplane started to roll to the right and it wouldn't stop no matter what they did so they both eject and uh, unfortunately the uh the instructor didn't make it and this guy he jumped out of the airplane i'm not using his name because i'm really not at liberty to tell his his story and his name so to speak but he tells me he says jump out and get a half a swing in the chute and I, I'm laying there in the grass going, holy crap, I just survived the Harrier crash. Okay. Oh, I better see if my instructor's okay. So he goes to get up and almost breaks his neck because his oxygen mask is still attached to his seat. So it's trying to rip his head around. Oh, as he goes to stand up. He goes, oh, crap. So he reaches down and he disconnects the oxygen hose, except that creates a nice seal. Now he's got this oxygen mask stuck to her face mm-hmm. and he can't breathe in. He's trying to stick his finger down inside. He can't get the bayonet fitting off. He's got the oxygen mask tight on his face. He's trying to get his fingers in there just so he can breathe. He finally gets the oxygen mask off his face, and he goes, "Screw it! I'm I'm done looking for anything, and uh, I'm I'm just going to lay down right here." So he lays down in the grass. Crash crew missed him by less than six inches. Rolled right oh, by his head. God. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> so. The, Two times seriously and almost three times died in the course of about ninety seconds. <laughs> wow! Yeah, terrifying when he told me that story. And after that, he said, "Yeah, I'm going back to the A6. I think I'll just stick with that." Man. <laughs> Don't get hit by the crash. Do yeah. not get hit by the crash. Do not get hit by crash crew. Don't lay down in tall grass. They, oh they're, they're boresighted
3: on the fire. Yeah, they are. sighted yeah. on the fire. That's A big their ball job. Fired. Yeah, you're yeah. you're secondary.
0: Yeah. And big ball of fire, and and uh, I will say, hats off to those crash crew guys in the uh, in the pizza oven suits that run towards the fire. God bless them. Well, Gunny, how do you go yeah. from uh,
3: Marine to Air Force pilot training? How did that? Oh, you're you're dragging all my Marine stories out. So uh, they're um, they're awesome. <laughs> so I uh, I I got out of the active duty, stayed in the reserves. And went to uh, UT in Austin, And while I was there, I, I went through the PLC program. So I'd already done, you know, the PLC program and everything. And uh, I did the Quigley, all that nasty stuff. So yeah. <laughs> it, the only thing I have left really is to do the basic school when I when I graduate. And I had a pilot slot. And then um, the… Uh, uh, this Which, is what year is this? 84 okay. time frame. And, uh, um, they called me up one day and, you know, I had, to, I was a top graduate, you know, at the, but they said, uh, they called me up and they said, uh, uh, we're going to take your pilot slot, but we still want you and you can be a grunt officer. I says, nah, yeah, I'm not going to do that. But yeah. If you had another guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I found out that it wasn't just me. It was, uh, virtually the entire Cohort of that year and in a good portion of 85.
0: Isn't
1: that uh, something?
3: Knee jerk, lost knee lost. jerk,
1: manpower reactions.
0: Right yeah. that, that always accordion uh going yeah. through there. But yeah, oh, that, that actually 80. happened to me as well. I was in the 84 uh year year group there and wound up doing three years as a Hawk miss officer before I finally made it to flight school.
3: Oh well, good on so, you. So, yeah. Yeah. So I looked around and I said, okay, uh, what are my other options? I went to the Navy. And uh then I went uh to the Air Force and uh the Air Force said, sure, we'll take you. So that's no how I ended up. <laughs> you know, you usually well,
1: you know, uh you fl- flash forward about four years or three years, the Air Force wouldn't take anybody uh in uh for a pilot slot unless they were uh ROTC
3: or a uh, Academy guy. I was lucky. That's um it. yeah, there weren't that many uh how about slots as I remember there was like 70 some odd people competing for a uh, pilot slot. And then, uh, I was fortunate enough to do it. I had a license, so maybe that, that, that helped didn't me hurt. for a while. Yeah. And, uh, um, and I, and then I went to OTS, got my commission, and uh, went to Shepherd. Okay, excellent. And then, uh, you selected fighters out of, uh, UPT. Uh, yeah, actually, the uh, I went to Shepherd in Egypt, and, and uh, in those days, that if you didn't uh, far qualify, they washed you out. Okay. Uh, we lost several guys in my class who uh, didn't, and uh, uh, one guy in particular he was a real good shit. He was a good guy on the wing, made it all the way to thirty but he just couldn't lead, and uh, you know he just couldn't lead in the in the Moas. He'd always run outside the moas, so he busted out and he became a uh, uh, buff uh, wizzo. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I felt for him after that. Yeah. So yeah, I got an F four out of that. Okay, Excellent. Oh,
1: nice.
0: There you go.
3: Yeah. Uh, okay, what, uh, what model? What model F four were you guys flying? C's, flew seized Charlie's? Yeah. In. Okay. That's what I wanted to fly in the Marines. Anyway, it was the oh yeah F
0: four. Right? What a cool manly jet. I love yeah. that airplane. The uh the A four was cool and a lot of fun to fly. But I was actually shocked. I I just had always assumed the Phantom was pretty much same size as the A four and then I saw two of them on the ramp at, next to each other and uh at Bell Chase in Louisiana one day and I went, Oh yeah. They're no. not even close. <laughs> they're the not even the in the, the same air- zip code. Yeah,
1: yeah the Phantom's a airplane. It's yeah. big, yeah. yeah. I mean it's awesome. Sure. It look it looks mean too.
3: Yeah, that so I got awesome. an
1: F4 story for you. Okay, all right, so, let's
3: go. This is actually fast forward a bunch of years, and I'm actually in the strike eagle, and I took one to Farnborough. It was ninety-four, I think it was, and I'm doing the rope line at Farnborough and the airplane's fairly new, and right across from me is the thirty-five, sequel 35. So it's brand new, right? And because you when you're on the rope line uh, or when you bring an airplane, they treat you like uh, uh, like you're royalty. You know, you you do anything you want. They give you all kinds of passes and free food and all that kind of stuff. And you just have to be on the rope line for a couple hours in the morning, so everybody can come by and ask questions and see your jet. And uh, so I got a chance to actually be up close and personal with that that 35 and really checked it out. So. One day, I think it was the third day or something. I'm standing on the rope line, and this Russian delegation comes by, you know, with TV cameras and everything. And This the guy stops and, uh, hey, can we uh, can we talk to you for a while? I go, yeah, sure. You know, he has the translator and then the talent guy, you know, and who doesn't speak English. And there's talking and stuff, and uh, uh, he's asking me questions, you know, admiring my jet, but he didn't really want to know about my jet. He, It's just, you know, F-15A is what it is. So he doesn't really want to know about it. He says a couple of things, and he says, so what do you think of our uh, brand-new Sukhoi? And I says, I, I had a chance to look over that airplane really closely, and and uh, I'll tell you what I think. But before I do, um, I used to fly the F-4 Phantom. Do you know what that is? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, we know what the Phantom is. Uh, sure, we're familiar with that. And I actually, I think they are because they – they I think they stole one and then made the MiG twenty three a single engine F four, frankly. But yeah. swam But nevertheless, anyway, they you know, so I says, I used to fly the F four and uh, um we used to call that airplane the Double Ugly or the Rhino. And oh they're laughing, you know, they're laughing. The here's this American guy, he's making fun of his own airplane. You know, what a what an idiot he is. <laughs> That, so then uh, after they finished laughing about that, I says, and we used to have a saying about the, uh, about the F4 is that if you put enough thrust on a bridge, it will fly. And Oh boy, they're laughing about that. They're rolling about that. And when the laughter starts to die off a little bit, I said, and that's what I think about your Sukhoi. Oh, that, that probably went over like a fart in church. <laughs> it was, it was actually great because <laughs> the guy, the talent guy still laughed. You know, he still know. Laughing. Yeah, he doesn't hadn't know. The translator had not caught up yet. Exactly. The translator is talking about him. When he finally gets to it, he just bug-eyed. He's just furious. Everything turns red. Boom. They're uh, done filming. Off they go. I don't think I appeared on Mission TV.
1: Yeah, Dave, you probably got, you probably didn't make the editing floor. Yeah, you, you, you made the editor's cut. <laughs> oh, that's. That's a good story. Oh, <laughs> well, that's
3: fantastic.
1: Farborough and the Strike Eagle. Were you were you
3: stationed in Europe? Yeah, we in the were Strike like Eagle. The, okay, yeah, it was the. Uh, uh, I was there when uh, we I, they had five airplanes. I was doing an ALO tour, my uh, alpha tour, and in, uh, uh, in Germany. And after that, uh, I did a follow on uh, overseas. So uh, I went to Lake and eat to fly the strike Eagle and they had five airplanes. When I got there, we had two squadrons sharing five airplanes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because they were uh, new or because, uh, no brand new. We were getting airplanes right from the factory. Okay. So
2: within well, six nice. months
3: we had had 40, I think we had 52, 54 of them. So, okay. It, had,
1: it, it went pretty quick. Crank them out. Like flying yeah. a new, uh, like flying a new car though. Yeah, no kidding. Right, all the all the paint and everything on the knife. Nah, every switch was clean and all smelled shiny, like a, yeah, pretty and no <laughs> footprints on the ejection seat. Doesn't <laughs> smell like vomit.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> vomit, it'll sweat, do. and jet fuel. Yeah, it's sweat and mildew. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, not for not the faint of heart uh, to step into a tactical aircraft. If uh, if you've got a sensitive nose, no. So <laughs> hey, so
1: Gunny, other than the yeah. uh, the F four story that you you talked about with the Ridgeline crossing there at Red Flag, do you got any other cool F four stories? Because F fours are cool.
3: F four is cool airplane, and you know people always say that uh, uh, you you always love your first fighter, no matter what you fly uh later on you always love your first fighter the best um and i'll say that's actually not my not the way i feel about it so (laughs) all right the uh, f4 the f4 was uh um i mean i love flying and it was all manual kind of airplane and uh uh stuff like that but uh you could not see the wingtips from the front seat Uh that bad of visibility Visibility was terrible. If you're doing air to air, you got the backseater to tell you what's going on or a little mirror, you know, and That's it's really horrible. tough to be up yeah. in with a mirror. And yeah. uh, so visibility was bad. And I remember landing one time in the summers, July, middle of July, middle of the day at Nellis from a red flag sortie and a uh, out, turn off the runway, pop the canopy and go, oh, gosh, that feels so cool. Yeah. Nellis. In in the the There's in the something summer, wrong with that. There's a bit a breeze. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh there are certain failures, hydraulic failures in that airplane where uh you could uh, uh well you're gonna jump out. You know, it's not gonna work. Yeah. yeah. And, and the F fifteen they fixed everything that was wrong with the F four. I mean, I could turn around and I could look past the other tail. Yeah. I mean, you, you right. could see everything. And yep. they fixed Excellent. all the hydraulic systems and uh and you the way you sat in an F four, the canopy rail is right about your shoulders. So you feel like you're in a hole. <laughs> and uh uh in the F fifteen it's at your hips. So you're you know, you're way above things, the visibility is incredible. And in the F fifteen, the air conditioner works not just for the avionics, but for me too. Wow. What a concept. Yeah.
0: We never had that in the area, did we? Fake the air conditioner yeah. was canopy open, canopy closed. Yeah, that's a, that's a fact. So, uh, until yeah. you got up to about 70% power, was that thing given any cool air? So, yeah. I don't know how those guys in human did it. I don't know, yeah. that was
3: tough, oh. but it was fast. I mean, we that run for the roses thing you could generally tickle the mark coming out if you wanted to. Nice. You had to get.
0: So my experience with a Phantom was actually out there was a green flag, and I thought they dropped ordnance on us. They came over a supersonic, and they were so low, and the sonic boom hit us. I thought they dropped ordnance near the near the Hawk missile van. Like, oh my god! (laughs) I probably, I think I hit my head on the ceiling of the control van uh, when it went off. I jumped so so fast and so high. It's like holy smokes.
3: yeah, it was fun. You can go <laughs> through Sonic. Yeah, except over the farms, they didn't like you to do that there because the Savains live there. But did you no use?
1: I'm
3: oh, sorry, sorry, Gunny did Did you use the
1: uh, auto? Did the Did the Eagle Strike Eagle have an auto terrain following
3: capability? Uh, yeah, uh, it it did, and uh, I'd used it enough to know how to work it. But I flew ninety nine percent of the time manual. Okay, I just, I just didn't. I mean, what am I going to do sitting there? You know, right? Two hundred feet over the ground at night, I'm, and I'm screaming right. across the ground. I think I'd rather. I want to be in control. Right on control. Pick. Right. <laughs> would it uh, Would it push over or would it roll inverted? And no, um, it would bunt. Yeah, uh, when it was climbing, oh. it would uh, it would climb and then bunt, and it was it 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 would do turns, but they're all I don't remember offhand, but uh, probably not much over twenty degrees of bank. So it was uh, uh, it was it was a pretty good ride in auto, but uh, still, it's a little disconcerting because you had flare too, so you could see the ground. Oh, okay, yeah, and uh, and green, you know, it was yeah. shades.
0: Of yeah, so Flare is uh, forward-looking infrared for uh, for our, our non-aviators. And that's uh, it's basically green and black, but it's it's night vision. That's what it is. So.
3: It is, yeah, really. And cool. it was uh, we had a, a really wide field HUD, so your visibility uh, was really good. As a matter of fact, we used to fly. Um, I did a lot of the pseudo wars over Bosnia, and so we spent a lot of time at night, and we'd fly uh, formation visual at night. And instead of uh, a, a tactical formation, you know, some sort of line of breast, basically you do a fighting wing but wider and yeah. with more spacing. And uh, we call it flear trail. So you'd use okay. the the wingman would use your dot and the flare to maneuver with. Sweet. And it, Sweet. And it worked out great. Right. That's beautiful.
0: I'd never would even well, I guess we would have thought of that if we were if we'd had clear hoods in, in our little day attack birds. <laughs>
3: right. Well,
0: did you, uh, right. did you fly the
3: so. strike Eagle in desert storm? No, uh, I was an ALO during desert storm. right? after my F4 tour, so your timing uh, was perfect. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. Our, our, our yeah. timing
1: was perfect as well. <laughs> we, we, we watched the whole damn thing on CNN from the ready room of our Harrier squadron, which uh, our squadron didn't deploy.
3: Yeah. I, uh, uh, that summer before it happened, uh, it was time for me to PCS. I'd been there, uh, you know, five years, I think. So I went to be an ALO. My wife was Intel. So we had a joint spouse, not that same place, but fairly close. And I went to ALO school in August. So I was in ALO school on a break when Saddam Hussein invaded uh, uh, Kuwait. Okay. And okay. Uh, when I, I got up, I went back to the to phone, and I called my squadron commander, and I says, hey, I'd like to cancel this thing and come back right now. What do you think? <laughs> and he goes, sorry, man. You're already PCS. I can't think.
1: <laughs> You're out. It was a good try, yeah. though. It was a good it was a, try. It was a
3: day of a good try.
0: Absolutely. Good, good college yeah. try. Hey, yeah. Hey, Gunny, if you said it, uh, my apologies. Uh, could you tell our listeners what ALO is?
3: Air liaison officer. He's the— uh, He's the guy that calls in the airstrikes. So he coordinates with the army units uh, for uh, air cover and uh, air support uh, for the unit for whatever it is. And a lot of people have a concept that air support is uh, Vietnam and we're going to keep the uh, you know the Viet Cong from the wire. And it wasn't like that at all. And uh, right. I was an ALO in in Germany. That's where I went to be an ALO and. Uh, we did a thing called push cast. So, how that worked was, is <clears throat> you would have uh, the whole ATO would be set up to be sending two ships and four ships out. And whoever had the weight of effort, uh, they would be getting most of the airplanes. So, they'd just be flooding to an, uh, an initial point. And then those would go to the various uh, control units uh, downrange, you know, who are engaged. Yeah. So, that's. That's how we did CAS. And that's actually how they did CAS and go for too too. Uh, the funny thing is, is they thought they invented it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good. try. Yeah. Uh, you, you just threw out another
1: acronym. Let's make sure we got that covered. ATO.
3: <laughs> Air tasking order.
1: Sorry. Right. I do yeah. that. One. Yep. No, no, that's a, no, that's okay. And we have a glossary uh, because you know, in our business, everything is acronyms. We yeah. have acronyms you agree, to describe acronyms.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We need uh, to get an acronym for acronyms.
3: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I was—I actually went down range. Uh, I fought to get a uh a, an assignment to go down range, and I was the Syrian Ninth Armored Division. Alien.
1: No
4: kidding.
3: Oh. Yeah. How about that? Didn't speak Arabic or anything, and it was me and uh my Romad, you know, enlisted uh, driver, radio operator, and, nice, uh, yeah. I got a lot of stories about
0: that. <laughs> well, we got time for one, I bet, we, or two.
3: Yeah, tell us a story. Yeah. What What's yeah. that like? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so I you know before the war, I was a Syrian uh, guy uh, or the ALO, and uh, we would talk to the Syrian commander um, and the uh, uh, the uh, three. You now the guy who was the uh, ops guy um, every almost every day, but. They didn't like us we didn't live with them and uh they they had loggered up uh by regiment so they would have a regiment here a regiment there they had three regiments and then a, uh, a reconnaissance unit and they were all by the with different little logger uh not little uh camps and they wouldn't let us stay with them and that's fine because we didn't want to stay with them anyway and i had a company <laughs> of uh, uh special forces guys i had uh a couple of I don't know, I think it was what, four or six A teams and a B team, which is the support team. And okay. what I would do is is uh leading up to the war, um, we would just run air. You know, everybody in uh the theater wanted it was doing casts, F sixteens, A tens, they wanted to do it with us because we had the same equipment, the same tactics and the Syrians as the Iraqis. They just have one different star on their flag, otherwise it's all the same. Yeah. So I was ha- I had air a lot and we did a lot of training. And, uh, as a matter of fact, a, a couple of the generals would come by, you know, and, and the F-16 and, uh, they do uh cast with us. And after it was over, I'd say, Hey, I want a recognition pass, you know? So, uh, um, f- four star to remain nameless, uh, comes over at a hundred feet in full burner and supersonic, you know, right over the, the series, ba, 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 boom, you know, <laughs> nice perfect <laughs> it was fun yeah
1: so oh that's fantastic well that, that was a hell of an experience
3: yeah it was uh it was interesting um one of the uh <clears throat> so i when i talk to army guys I usually tell this story because uh the army guys you know they they think they're the only ones out there and you know we lived i lived on in the desert there was uh and it, at the, before the – when the air war started, they took out everybody but one A-team, four guys. I had four guys with me. And uh, so that was us, you know, two Air Force guys, and we got a third uh, – another Romad. So it was seven guys on the desert. Um, and we were uh, – if you remember where uh, KKMC is, the Wadi Batan is where uh, – a river during the rainy season. You know, it's where on the helmet – backside of the helmet for Kuwait. And it runs up to al Rukai, which is the city right there on the border, Saudi city on the border with uh, Kuwait. Okay. And that was the major, you know, we figured if there was going to be an attack, the Republican Guard was probably 20 or 30 miles beyond al Rukai. They would come down to Wadi. And it was like an arrow pointing straight at KKMC, which was a big log base. It was a secret, you know, air base that we built for the Saudis. And uh, we, were, we, were can't, we were living right there, you know, I think, as I remember, 10 miles maybe from the border. And uh, I think my roommate and I were actually uh, uh, the first Americans in Iraq because, you really? know, we were bored during the day. So we yeah. driving, and we went up to the berm and we're driving along the berm and we're under Iraq, not in Kuwait. And there's uh, some of those dragon teeth and uh, where the berm was low and dragon teeth holding a, a pass. So we stopped and uh we went across to the other side and he I took a picture of him and then he took a picture of me.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, look at us. That. Yeah, that awesome. oh. Thanksgiving time frame. So it was way before the war actually started. Well, uh, glad you didn't make
0: the headlines though at least. So whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been tough. Awesome. Yeah. Well um I'll tell you what, we've come to a point here in the show. Well, let's go ahead and uh, take a quick break. And after the break, come back and talk about some of your airline career and uh, your amazing YouTube channel. Okay.
1: Le está gustando mi podcast, which means, are you liking my podcast? We all know that pilots have a tendency to act like kids sometimes. Meh. Some more than others whether it's the thrill of soaring through the skies or just that childlike joy of being airborne. But when it comes to learning a new language, acting like a child isn't an option. Science says our ability to learn new languages peaks when we're children. But since you can't go back to being six years old, we've got the next best thing, babble. Because with babble, you can start speaking a new language in just three weeks. This summer, as you prepare to take off on your next adventure, why not elevate your communication skills? After all, the skies aren't the only thing you should be navigating with ease. Why Babbel? We'll put it simply, because it works. Instead of paying $100 for a private tutor or fooling yourself with language apps that are little more than games, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts. They ensure you touch down in any country ready to converse, having mastered the language in as little as three weeks. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations. Imagine being in a Spanish market. Confidently asking for directions or ordering your favorite tapas, haggling for the perfect souvenir, all without having to consult any language app. On a personal note, during my travels to Latin America, Babel's courses helped me experience the culture authentically. I effortlessly interact with locals from ordering paella to finding the best night spots, thanks to Babel, With over 10 million subscriptions sold, Babel is like a trusty co-pilot for your language learning journey. Ensuring you're always on course for real conversations. And now for a special treat for all our aviators and listeners out there, here's a special limited time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. Get fifty-five percent off your Babbel subscription. But only for our listeners at Babbel.com slash so there I was. That's get fifty-five percent off babbel slash so there I was, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash so there I was. Rules and restrictions may apply. Safe travels and happy learning. Nicely said, Fig. I hadn't (laughs) heard that. I thought when you started, I thought, hey. That guy
0: sounds familiar. (laughs) (laughs) That dulcet voice. (laughs)
3: But of course.
0: Yes. Let's jump forward a little bit. And let me not cut you off. If you've got some more great military stories, absolutely love to hear them.
3: Well, I've got a lot of stories. My kids hear them. They don't want to hear stories anymore, but I've got a lot of oh, stories. Man. If you want to move on to other stuff, I'm happy to do that too. So oh, we got goal. all the time in the world for you. Yeah, Annie.
1: absolutely. I want to hear, so, hear more military stories. I want to hear some F-15 stories. I want to hear any story you got.
3: Okay. I never I got get tired of stories. I got another Marine story for you. From oh, the there you goal. go. We'll take it. Let her rip. Yeah. When I was there... Uh, we, uh, we weren't really getting along with the Syrians very well. They would, uh, they said that if Israel gets in the war, that they're going to fight on the Iraqi side. So that's it's one of the reasons why awkward. Yeah, we didn't, yeah, a little awkward. We didn't, we weren't <laughs> next to them, you know, we weren't integrated or anything. So it was kind of weird. And when things aren't happening, I didn't have air or anything. We'd go visiting, you know, they had, uh, other ALOs that were friends of mine and other units, the Egyptians, you know, this, the Saudis, the Kuwaitis. Uh, so we go visiting. And, uh, at one of sure. those, I was visiting somebody and, uh, uh, Saudi, uh, Black Hawk comes by and, uh, Hey, you know, you guys want to go for a ride. We're just going to go up and look at the berm and, uh, come back and, uh, land. It'd be, you know, 20 minutes, half hour. So sure. I said, sure. Why not? I'd like to see this from the air instead of from my Jeep. Um, uh, hummer. And, uh, so we get in the Blackhawk and we're flying around. And I see the berm and then they they turn and and we're just flying around and it's thirty minutes. It's forty minutes. I go, what the hell's going on? And they 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 land next to a LAV, a Marine LAV, and uh, LAV, which is a light armored vehicle. Okay, yeah. how's that? Okay. Yes, there you <laughs> thank go. you, thank you. Yeah, you're it. So they land next to this LAV and they go over and they talk talk to the guys and they. Say, they're basically asking, hey, where the hell are we? It <laughs> <laughs> really gives oh. you a warm fuzzy. And so oh. the brain says, yeah, we need to go that way. <laughs> oh, thank
0: God they didn't land next to an Iraqi. Uh... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> PMP or something.
3: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Where are we? Yeah. Oh, Why man. did I do this? Yeah. <laughs>
0: how about how about this one gunny do you ever uh ever eject or reach for the handle
3: uh i had close a couple of times but no i, I never did that's good I, heard, I was an f-15 story i was a sar cap uh for an ejection once uh as a matter of fact uh you guys heard of the mig 23 ejection uh i just interviewed the backseater and gonna publish that video later this week um uh, and talking about that ejection and stuff, okay. and I tell this story, and I might as well tell this story, yeah. Anyway, here because it's an F-15 story, story. So I'm I'm in the FDU at Johnson, uh, the formal training unit where we're teaching new guys how to fly. And then I'm in a B course, teaching in a B course, and uh, service tech tactics or service tech actually. So we're just going to go and drop bombs at a range, low level navigation. We go to the range and we drop bombs. I have a two ship. And the way we did it is, is I would, I would fly as the uh, IP. I would fly as lead with the uh, student Wizzo in my backseat. And the other airplane would have the student pilot with an instructor Wizzo. So, okay. Yeah. So we're, we do our low level navigation. We're right on to our time to get our range time at uh, Air Force Dare, Dare County range. Yeah. Which is right near Kill Devil Hills, you know, where the first flight would be.
4: Yeah.
3: North Carolina. And uh I'm coming up the to to the range and the ranger says, Hey the, I've got another uh, uh flight from your squadron here uh right now. You can't come here. And I was pissed because you know, you're burning Jeff, you know, when you're burning yeah. Jeff, you you, you you probably think, had a you, low time on ass. target,
1: right? You're probably trying <laughs> yeah. to hit time on target,
3: right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm right on time, I'm right on my range time, and I have you know, I may not be able to make this mission effective because I'm going to lose my range time with this guy staying on late. And, uh, but Airf- uh, Navy Deer, which is right next door, which isn't as good of a range, uh, they don't score as well and they have different targets. Uh, so I jump on there just to drop bombs just so we can do it. And, uh, I do one pass, maybe two, and then the ranger calls me up and says, Hey, that flight that, was in your range time is leaving now. Do you still want the range? I said, absolutely. So we aborted Navy there, and we're back to Air Force there. And I'm, I'm driving down, getting ready to do a loft. I uh, don't know if you guys did that in the Harrier, but uh, Ooh, we're yeah. Doing a, yep. yeah. yeah, we're doing it pretty fast. And what I'm going to do is uh, pull up and then drop the bomb in the arc, and it's going to arc to the target. And the, it's really fun to actually do that because if you do that yeah. and then you roll off, you know, <laughs> you and, s- here, you can see the bomb. Yeah, you know if you know where to look, and it was yep. just. It was, I enjoyed it, so I'm in, I'm in the middle of that, and the ranger says, uh "Hey, that one of those airplanes that just left here ejected, and they're in the water. The airplane went in the water." So I said, "Knock it off, mm-hmm. knock it off, knock it off." I told my student to go home at altitude, one pass, land. You know get on the ground now get out of and right. uh apparently his student did the same thing because he wasn't anywhere i didn't didn't see him redder <laughs> <laughs> ah! it, <laughs> yeah, it was the flight lead that ejected and uh, uh i'll tell you what happened in a sec but so i'm the on-scene commander here and uh i found it's easy to find where the jet was uh in the intercoastal waterway because they're still bubbling you know, the crap is floating around and stuff like right. that. So I knew exactly where the jet was. And uh, thinking about his trajectory, I go, okay, well, with the winds, because we have winds on the airplane, you know, he's going to be over this way. And So on the shore are trees, and then there's a great big field, open field, and the, I found the pilot in the open field. Okay. Oh, so the wow. sequence, yeah. sequence ejection, the backseater would have been first. So I found the pilot. That means that the backseater is somewhere in those trees and I'm looking for oh, him. Yeah. I get, I get the, uh, uh, call up Elizabeth City, get the coast guard helicopter coming out. Uh, you know, they were, they're, they're going to, I told them where to be, you know, and, and told the, the, the front seater to pop smoke when he comes in and all that stuff. And I'm looking for the backseater and he's not talking to me on the radio, not talking. So I don't know if you're familiar with that part of North Carolina. Oh um, yeah. That's where we were. We were down at Cherry Point. Yeah. Yeah, Cherry Point, yeah, you know yeah, exactly. Pine yeah. trees Enough everywhere. <laughs> yeah, So, yeah, big tall ones, 100-foot-tall pines. Yeah. And yeah. we always had, you know, beside the horse collar, you had a PLD, a personal lowering device, which is like a, uh, a nylon strap that you can put around your harness or a big limb or something like that and with a brake huh. and lower yourself down 100 feet. Right. So um, what happened was is the backs, you know, i'm looking around i'm trying where would this guy be so i got really low and i could see one tree sticking out among the others and it had orange and white on top of it <laughs> <laughs> so now i'm okay right here so now i'm doing a tight circle overhead calling on the radio not getting anything and what happened was is the student wizzo uh, starts used his pld and lowered himself to the ground and when he got to the ground uh, he called me on the radio and I said, uh, damn, it's great to hear your voice. Do you have your compass? Because inside those trees, it's like the jungle, you know, it's dark. Yeah. So I said, uh, here's your bearing. It's going to be about, as I remember, it's about a mile maybe to get to that field. And uh, here's your bearing and start walking. He made it out. Helicopter takes them. Takes them. They weren't hurt or anything. And all that was great. So nice. what happened? Yeah. yeah. What happened? So yeah. what happened was is it was a fire, engine fire. And the pilot that had uh that that was flying the airplane, he had previously flown a T thirty eight before he came to the strike eagle. Yeah. And in that airplane, like at the F four F4 actually, yeah, the left engine firelight is on this side of the cockpit and the right engine the is on the right, the fire lights on the right side of the cockpit. And F fifteen, they're both together. Uh, so he sees oh. the light and shuts down the engine. The firelight didn't go out. Holy shit! Shut rip. down
0: the wrong engine.
3: Oh yeah. So he shuts Uh-oh. down Uh-oh. the one on fire, but he didn't restart the one that he'd shut down. The good engine. He's at fifteen hundred feet, and there's no time for a relight. Oh no! no. Time Boom! They're out. No. And, uh,
0: well, so. aside from the flames crackling, it's
3: awfully quiet in here. <laughs> Yeah. all of right. a sudden, there's hardly hardly any jet noise. Oh, it's, it's
1: weird! It's weird that it
0: gets quiet when you shut the motor off. Right? Whoops! Oh, uh, I you know that stuff always amazes me the the human machine interface and the thought or lack thereof that goes into it when they design that that you know no one ever thought well we put it over here, someone will shut down the wrong motor.
3: Yeah, but, the the ergonomics they didn't think about that. You know, and there's that law of primacy, you know, you learned it this way. So it's hard to adapt to something different. Right. And that's always a danger. Right. In fact, uh,
0: Fig and I were laughing earlier about uh, one one of our previous guests it was flying two different airplanes and managed to uh, invert it at 35,000 feet in a fight. Instead of going to idle, shut down the wrong engine or shut down an engine in the middle of a fight. Because you know,
3: had it better. Have a a little gate to to uh, shut it down. I,
0: I I believe so. I don't know exactly the mechanics of it. He but he was flying at the time both the uh, the F uh, five and was he in the fourteen then or was, did he say he confused it with the Airbus fig? Do you remember? I think he said he confused it with the Airbus, which is yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. But yes, yeah, yes, yeah. So he he's inverted the, in the fight and he's just got his hand down on the throttles and he and he shut him down, shut one down instead of going to, going to uh, idle boards, which is Ouch. what he intended to do. It's like, whoops. <laughs> I hate when that happens. So anyway, oh, man. So on-scene commander got him out of there. That's nice. Um, what uh, what was your closest? Uh, I better reach for the handle.
3: Well, I had students. Uh, Teaching is always a dangerous occupation. Yeah, it is. It, it, yes, it is. Let's just <laughs> blanket statement. I'm blank getting
1: like, ready to started.
3: They're always trying to kill you, you know. So, yeah, and uh, um, so the two times I actually almost died, uh, other than that uh, uh, collision with the ground, uh, was in the in the Eagle and uh, teaching new students uh, BFM, and uh, one of them was a, it was a guns. Jink, we're offensive, you know, like okay. this is really close. And I, the guy was actually having trouble with, the, with handling a jink. And what is he going to do? So we're being very scripted about it. And uh, his, I could see the jink developing and it's getting ready to go. I tell him that is what's going to happen. And I said, don't go, you know, don't follow him. don't Basically, don't follow him down in the jink. And you're gonna go to quarter plane. So what I mean by quarter plane see if I get on here, so we gotta talk to your hands. So right, trying to yeah, don't shoot at, your watch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's in lag if I shoot my watch. So right. so anyway, he's he's gonna jink down this way, he's gonna destroy the solution by going putting his lift vector and climb going underneath the airplane, the other airplane. So um uh, if you go down with them, you're committed and you're in much worse position. And you also are going to come collide very likely if you're really close. Yeah, and uh, so what you need to do is you need to go to high 6 back here and just saddle up again and let him do his thing. You know, get out of the jink and then you're you're right back in the control position and you can shoot him again. So I'm briefing him on that. Don't go. Don't do that. Don't do that. And he does it. And <laughs> it's it's all happened so fast that uh, and we're right close to the bubble, which is we're using 500 foot bubble. So we're maybe 600 feet, and he does that. And uh, um, it was so close that I really couldn't do anything about it time-wise. And uh, I don't remember the uh, IP in the other airplane, but I owe him my life. He's a great guy. Uh, mouse was his call sign. Uh, and he saw it. He saw that happening, and he he unloads and rolls out the other way, so we had room to be stupid. I saw him rolling off is one. I, I'm not going to pull in yeah. Yeah. Wow.
1: That's, uh, that's scary. And you know, uh, if you do, if you do this sort of thing long enough, you usually have those, oh shit moments. I had several, yeah. when I was an instructor in the training command, we were teaching bombing and the bombing pattern, you know, that was always high threat area. Of guys cutting you <laughs> off, belly up to you, not knowing you know where they are, not knowing where you are. Yeah, your <laughs> fangs are sort of hanging out. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're very focused on what's in front of them, not to the side, above, or below. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Weird. <sighs> it's you, crazy. You know, you uh, you were
1: talking about the loft, um, and you said you know if you roll off, you can you could watch it. Well, we. I I had as soon as I heard the bomb come off, you know, we get the tone, and I feel a little thunk, and it come off. I would stop pulling and just roll hundred degrees. That could I could I was there. It was flying. I was flying formation with
2: the force. <laughs> I
3: thought, you know, this is probably bad. I need to, I need to leave. Yeah, you need to get separation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you're probably dropping dumb, but uh, yeah, it was a like blue that. bomb. It was blue, big blue bomb. Yeah, I'm still, well. Oh. Well, we, I remember dropping, uh, again, this is Air Force Terror story. We're dropping LGB's laser-guided bombs and uh, the the uh, marquee 4s, the 2,000-pounders, so GBU-10s, guided bomb unit 10. <clears throat> and uh, they're real heavy, and they don't have much energy in them, uh, so you can't move them very far. So mostly they're ballistic, and you turn on the laser at the last second. And I, I can't remember what altitude we are. But uh, we're opposite direction. Instead of going from west to east, out towards the ocean, we're in the ocean coming east to west. And we drop, and we hit the target, and all on film. And um, you see this hot uh, 2,000-pound blue bomb go in the ground and then come out 90 degrees. What? Whoa! Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were hauling. We were doing... 480 plus. So it had a lot of energy, as much energy as I can give it. And it, it went into the ground. You could see the the white hot uh bomb as it hits hits the ground, and there's a whole bunch of bombs under the ground there that you don't see. Oh shit, yeah, ricochets. Yeah, yeah it ricochets out 90 degrees and it goes <laughs> like, like my head is the uh, the Rangers building, it goes whoosh. <laughs> right quiet. How about oh, right. that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Holy
0: shit. yeah, yeah! Oh man, did they comment on it? Did they
3: see it coming? Or yeah, they did. They heard it. They heard <laughs> it. Yeah. I, and, uh, I think. I think they put two and two together. Yeah, um, <laughs> our case. Yeah, it was. Yeah.
0: Incoming whistle. <laughs> uh,
1: well, you know. get hit. You get hit by that. I mean, that's just not your day. No, or maybe, maybe it is your day. Bad. It's your well, time, your time stamp. Your time That's right. Up.
0: Right. Someone said it isn't the it isn't the rounds that say to who whom it may concern that you need to worry about. It's the one with your name on it. So, yeah.
1: so Gunny, did you did you retire uh out of the Air yeah. Force? I did. I well, thank you for the... your
3: service. Indeed. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you I retire, did uh Eight years in the Marines and then 16 in the Air Force. So 24.
1: Excellent. Well, I'm, I'm, you, the most important part of that whole thing is that you started in the Marines, you know? So, so really you're, right. you're, you're a Marine, you know, <laughs> where, where in uh, you know, you're a wolf in
3: sheep's clothing, so to speak.
0: So no, he, he was in the Marines for eight years. Then he retired and went in the Air Force.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, I have a, I have a story about that too. So uh, okay. when I was, Early days when I was in the Air Force, uh, people would find out I was in the Marine Corps. and It's not a common thing, so they go, "Hey, you're in the Marines. What was it like in the Marine Corps?" And i say, "Well, the first thing you have to understand." I look them in the eye and I say, "The first thing you have to understand is the Marine Corps is a military organization." And they 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 go, "Wait a minute. I'm in the Air Force. I'm in the military." And I say, "You don't understand." I can't tell <laughs> That's
1: right. Can't explain right. it to you. <laughs> no, that's, that's very, re- that's good.
0: That's really good. Outstanding. Absolutely. Well, should we, should we
1: talk about so, this awesome podcast? Yeah. 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 So, so how, 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 how'd how you start? Yeah. How'd you get into that? How'd you start my, doing that?
3: My, uh, my video, uh, my, uh, yeah. my uh, YouTube channel, Flywire. Yeah. Yes. So, um, have you guys ever heard of a thing called CompuServe? Af- oh, C- yeah. Yes. Them, yeah. AvSig yeah. is the oldest uh, continuous use uh, chat forum, I think, in existence. I'd be willing to bet it still exists. It's not quite what it used to be, but, um, I was, you know, back in the dial up modem days, uh, I made a lot of friends on, uh, on that, uh, on AvSig and still with, uh, still friends with a bunch of them. And one of those guys was a fellow named Tom Gresham. And Tom was uh uh he was a pilot, but he was a sportsman. His dad was Gritz Gresham, and you know, he did TV shows and all this other stuff. And uh uh you know, he was the, the American sportsman. I think that was yeah, the like okay. like you know, oh, fishing, yeah. hunting, yeah. uh yeah. that sort
1: of stuff. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that name sounds really familiar. Tom grew up that way. And so he's really familiar with that and, and, uh, the whole media thing, he'd do radio and TV and, uh, other stuff like that. And, uh, um, as a matter of fact, we used to go to Oshkosh, all the Avsikers would stay in the North 40. And we had one guy that would, uh, um, reserve, uh, you know, like two or three rows and we'd have, you know, 20, uh, 25 airplanes there, you know, and, for a couple of years, uh, Tom would do his ra- – he did. A, he does a radio show called Gun Talk, and he would do uh, Gun Talk under the wing and, hey, what was your day at Oshkosh today? You oh, know, nice. Kind of thing. Yeah. So he decided he wanted to do a TV show. It's called Wings to Adventure. And he brought me on board to do that, and this was in 04 time frame, And we did uh, – ended up doing four seasons, and I got to do <laughs> – I, I actually did a lot of the production part of it. I put the, the airplanes together, the interviews, the trips. I'd organize all that. And then I did all the formation work for the, the video shoots. So I got to fly a bunch of different airplanes. And it nice. was a, a to-do. And they tried to get me on a couple of uh, on-camera things. And it was just Tom and me, and we were talking. I was fine. But a couple of the ones, uh, it's like we did a did a segment where I got to fly the Mustang, uh, at the uh, Stallion fifty one and I was like <laughs> I had to stick up my butt <laughs> so they didn't <laughs> use me my talk at all <laughs> for the segment. But yeah. uh anyway, uh I had a lot of fun doing it and then fast forward years, you know, we only did four seasons, but uh then I had a rotator cuff surgery and I was down for a while and I was thinking, you know, I really like doing that. I'm gonna try this uh you know and flywire was a, a name that we kicked around trying to do a, a digital magazine because i also flew for uh i wrote okay. stories flew for uh photo ships and stuff like that for a bunch of aviation magazines in the okay. early 2000s so we were trying to think about Oh, we will go digital so i came up with the idea for flywire is that name of that organization okay. or that that thing and uh it didn't go anywhere. So, uh, I was stuck, you know, you you can't do anything for basically nearly six months. So I, uh, I go, you know, I'm going to try this YouTube thing. So you see my really early videos. I'm not great, but, uh, I'm in a sling. (laughs) (laughs) And so boredom actually is why I started it. You know, I had so much fun doing it, that stuff at Wings to So that's why I started with Flywire and it, it morphed into, uh, more of a safety, uh, you know, channel yeah. kind of a thing where I talk about maneuvers and, uh, you know, because I have an aerobatic banana you can go and do some really extreme stuff that it's just like any else, with, else's airplane, but it's aerobatic and I can do archers and spins and things like that. So, and my most popular videos seem to be the accent reviews that I do. I'm sorry. Uh, you faded out there the what? The the accident reviews. Oh, accident uh, reviews.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's People always like you know to me. I always like to hear that because I, I you know I learn I learn from yeah. other people's mistakes. Hopefully, right. I yeah. won't make a mistake like that.
3: If 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 it oh, was yeah. a mistake, right? Yeah. Or yeah. Well, you know, actually, the 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 approach I use is Grandpa Pettibone. You Grandpa him? Pettibone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. the
0: fence.
3: Yeah. What those boys either. are thinking? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) what was was that exactly? (laughs) So that's kind of where I got my approach from is be factual. And I actually did some accident investigations when I was in the Air Force. So I learned how to do it. And uh, uh, when I do one, it's not, uh, it's an accident I think that any one of us could do. You know, any one of the three of us here, we could be in that situation. So. When I first started flying, you know, with my dad at Cardi's Airfor- Air- Airport Airport, a little grass strip outside of San Antonio, outside of Randolph actually, um, you know, he would be shooting the shit and telling stories. So it was though there I was kind of stories and yeah, yeah. people were talking about things, a hanger talk and and a lot of learning happens there and I don't see much of that anymore. So that's kinda infuses what I'm trying to do with Flywire is I wanna start the conversation. I wanna have people think about it and and uh, Start thinking about really, you know, here's a factual approach is what might happen here. What happened?
1: I really like that. Mm And I I suspect uh, because of the digital age now, people just don't do that like we used
0: to there's some of that and then the other thing and you pointed out on one of your recent videos uh, and I'm, i'm likely pointed out on more than one is the people who you know everybody's got an opinion right and they they're all throwing speculation at the wall apparently hoping something will stick and the one that i think of that you mentioned is you know well the guy had a heart attack and plowed into the ground and your question is rightfully where's your evidence for that lacking that evidence You can't just make those assumptions and assertions, you know, stop, let, let it, let it bear out. Let the investigation bear out. There may become evidence for something like that, but, but stop with the opinions and the speculation. So yeah, um, wild
3: speculation. And based on what, you know, you have to have, have some facts. One of the things i learned about acts investigation is, is uh, you do come up with a theory. You know, when you start looking at an accident, you start to put the pieces together that make sense. But then when you come up with a fact um, that contradicts your theory, you throw your theory out and you jigger the theory to fit the fact, because this is, this is what happened, you know, and right. uh, some amazing things you can do based on not a lot. Um, you know, we, we kind of cut our teeth when I, I went to a short school on that. Uh, like, okay, what, it, what happened here on this ejection? It was an F4 ejection because I was at fours at the time. And, uh, the, you know, figure out what happened and invariably all the students got it wrong. I know it was this, that this fact here changes everything and, uh, you need to, you need to pay attention to the facts and then you change your theory to fit. Right. Yeah. Which is, that's it, hard
0: for our brains to do, admittedly, you know, cause you've, you've got it in your mind how this came out and to, to. Be professional and sit back and let that come to you. Go, okay, that isn't going to work. How's, how is it? How did it come together? So that's excellent that you do that. Um, so let me, uh, we got a question on one one of the places we're streaming to right now. I, I don't remember from whence it came, but uh, I don't know. Did you uh, review the Asiana accident in San Francisco several years ago? Did you Did you cover that in your
3: was that the 777 with yes. the uh yeah.
0: yeah yeah the the manual
3: approach Yeah, I didn't well. I didn't review that actively though. No, I knew it was a it. manual I'm sorry, go ahead, gunny. i was just saying I did I knew of the accident but I didn't do a video.
0: On it. Yeah.
3: No, uh
0: no. And well. I, I'm, I'm on the 777 but I I I remember that it happened, and I remember some details about it, but I I wouldn't begin to try and talk about it because I just I don't know enough of the details to. They were manually flying it with the auto throttles that.
1: engaged, okay, right? And they had touchdown zone set and level change selected, trying to get they were high and fast, yeah. And so the throttles were at idle and asleep, and they were never going to wake back up, and they. Yeah finally re-established the proper glide path. But assuming that the throttles were going to manage the speed at that point, which they weren't because the touchdown zone was set. So the airplane just got slower and slower and slower and slower. And then eventually, you know, they hit hard,
3: short. Hit hard and broke up. Yeah. Fortunately, a lot of people live. Yes. Um, It was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. and and
1: and another example of get the hell away from the wreck because a couple of them got ran over by the damn crash by the,
0: truck. By the crash crew that's right really yes hell get yeah. away yeah. two of the fatalities <laughs> they got hit by the crash crew yeah and uh, yeah, i know those guys feel bad about that and then the other the other i thought it was hilarious um and and i get there's people that are upset about it because it was racist but the ktvu Oh, news crew got punked and they (laughs) came to actually call the ntsb (laughs) yeah and they came up with these names and uh it's like are you kidding me you actually read that on the air without but the ntsb never gives away names we do know yeah oh dear god something wrong yeah that was horrible it was horrible horrible. funny funnier in sin that those those uh, idiot news crew, you know, are going to read anything that's put on the on the teleprompter in front of them, but yeah, they, they, they not, totally Ron Burgundy that. Ron Burgundy,
1: <laughs> got Ron, They got Ron Burgundy. Ron Burgundy, yeah, yeah. You're not thinking so, of reading
3: the teleprompter.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. Someone showed me that, and I'm like, yeah, this is a joke, right? And they're like, oh no, this really happened. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, big forehead slap on that.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> we, we want. A, <laughs> You when want did to talk you get out?
3: Uh, I'm sorry. Go, no, ahead, okay. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, I retired in 2000. Okay. And uh, right. um, so, I, most of the guys in my squadron, you know, I'm wing, they were all going to United, and I got hired by United. And uh, um, I was there in the summer of 2000. I'm an, not a union guy, you know, never been in a union, and all of a sudden, I'm in a union, and it was uh, contract negotiations. Yes. And I'm telling you, United has a union, and they're serious about it. And uh people they were doing a slowdown is basically what they were doing as a, their negotiation tactic. And eventually it worked, but uh all the passengers and you know, they'd be yelling at you when you're walking down the, the concourse stuff. It's like, oh gosh, this is ridiculous. So I was uh I was a N engineer and what I wanted to do, I'd I'd applied and got interviewed at American, but they didn't hire me. In time, United hired me. So that's why I went to United. And uh, uh, I'm on a trip. At the end, the contract was just signed and I had an Airbus uh, 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 assignment. So I w- wouldn't have to stay as an engineer very long. And American calls me up. I'm on this trip. And I says, Hey, do you still want to work for us? We got an opening in a class in two weeks. And I said, Oh, hell yeah, because we're, we're moving. We're building a place at an air park. And Uh, Fort Worth. So I won't have to commute. So this will be great instead of commuting all the time to Denver or Chicago or wherever. So, um, I go in, uh, at the end of the trip, I go into the chief pilot's office in Chicago and, uh, I go in and say, Hey, uh, I'm giving my two weeks notice. Uh, I'm going to quit. And he, he he says, you're joking. I said, no, I'm not. (laughs) And he says, Give me your hat and your badge and get the hell out of my office. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So I gave him my my hat and my badge, you know, and, <laughs> and, and uh, now I gotta pay for a ticket to get back home. That's yeah. that's not right. Damn. Yeah,
0: no, the airlines all do that now. You give them two weeks' notice, then that's your that is your last minute on the property as an employee. That's, yeah. that's something. Yeah, they're not going to let you fly another trip.
1: So let that and, be a lesson to everybody out there that's yeah. thinking about giving your two weeks notice. Just make it a surprise. I'm not coming back.
3: Yeah, yeah. just not answer anymore. <laughs> well, the funny yeah. thing is, is, for like a month afterwards, I would still get calls from crew scheduling wanting me to cover this trip. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: We show you out of position. Uh, sir,
1: can you make this trip?
0: Uh, you should have told him, yes. Yeah, I'll do it. Put me on. <laughs> Yeah. I got you. Yeah. If you, if yeah, I can I'll have my it. hat back, I don't want
1: the badge. I just want the hat.
0: That's right.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> oh, that's oh, funny. Shit. Hey, really quick, let me uh, let me correct myself. So, uh, someone someone brought it up on the YouTube comments and said so. Uh, one pastor was run over, and the final report concluded that she died of her injuries prior to being run over. So, uh, I I stand corrected on that. And then there were two fatalities on that on that asiana so horrible yeah um yeah. so what uh uh let, let me ask this so you so how i don't know how many videos you've got up now but to, uh, certainly uh many many hundreds of thousands of followers what how many uh or what would you say is the most interesting or most unusual accident review that you did or what's i don't know what surprised you most what
3: what's your favorite one maybe well, uh, <laughs> my favorite video that I yeah. did. Yeah. Which uh, child do you like the best? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the, it, have you seen the one I, I did? I called, uh, where's the rock?
0: No, not yet. No,
1: but I'll yet. find
3: you it. You got to see that. Okay, so where's that's the actually, rock? Yeah. Where's the rock? That's actually my favorite video because I, I had done a spate of spatial disorientation videos and all these people would comment on them and say, you guys are just idiots you know, just hang a rock from a string and you'll always know which where the ground is. You know, and it's like, okay, you people don't <laughs> understand physics at all. So I said, okay, here's so that's what I'm gonna do then. I'm gonna go because I have an aerobatic bonanza yeah. and I'm gonna go do this. So what I did is is I took a uh, a tennis ball, not a rock because yeah. Yeah, smart the rock <laughs> don't need to sp- knock yourself <laughs> out smart <laughs> see there's so a, I, listen he's definitely a marine
1: he's capable of critical thinking
0: yeah there you yeah, go you know
1: exactly. <laughs> army guy would have army guy
3: would have took a rock uh, big rock. it on a string
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: sorry so, uh, I, I'm, I'm, that, I'm pulling your leg <laughs> <laughs> so i took a took this tennis ball and i put a, a smiling face on it i called it wilson Nice and uh, really. tied it on a string, and uh, we did loops, we did rolls, we did stuff like that. And uh, I talk about what centripetal what centripetal acceleration is, and what centrifugal acceleration is, and why that is total bullshit, and how we why we have to have uh, uh, different instruments to actually to keep us oriented in the sky because your butt, your yeah. uh, vestibular system is not going to do that. No, for you. No, so it, that's no. probably one of my favorite videos.
1: We learn these lessons over and over and over. Uh, so I'm going to watch that video because I, I kind of want to see the, the whole tennis ball thing. Hang it. Where's the rock? Yeah. What does it do? Where's the rock? Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. it do? Yeah, I, right. know,
3: I know what it's going to do, but I want to see the video. That'll be awesome. <laughs> yeah. I had everybody, yes. I started this says, okay, I want you to think about it. I'm going to do this, this, and this. Tell me what the, you know, think about what the rock is going to do, and then you're going to see what it actually does and see see if you get it right. So well, you, that was. And you
0: always know where the ground is, except you, when you don't. <laughs> except when you don't. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Sticks, uh,
1: Sticks is saying um, he likes the discussion, uh, Gunny's discussion on a V-tail bonanza in high DA.
0: To the altitude. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: Oh, the Telluride accident? Yeah. That so, goes, yeah. I think that was it, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about that real quick? Because that's 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 fairly recent, the last few years. Yeah, it
3: was a couple of years ago. Yeah. So, real popular guy who was a, uh, uh Embry-Riddle graduate. And he's flying for United. and yep. uh, He and his wife are both. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if she was a pilot. She might have been a flight attendant. But they're very enthusiastic, very dedicated to uh, Yeah. Uh, Plus, a very uh,
1: photogenic couple. Uh, very, yes. both very attractive. Uh, pillars of the community, so to speak.
3: Yeah, and uh, so they go to Telluride. They get married, and uh, then the, they're leaving. I think the next day, maybe. And uh, the first flight, because the ADSB shows them take off, and then they go to the north and they circle around and go a bunch of whole, whole different bunches of ridges. And then they come back through Bridal Veil Falls and then land again at telluride and uh, that's actually a very important um sort of uh so usually when I do an axe investigation, I want to bracket and see what's see what's happened recently you know what what's yeah. the what's the path and there was about an hour plus break between the flights so um then he took off and he goes straight to Bridal Veil Falls and what he's looking at and I talk about it is there's a basin just on the other side of the falls and that's where the crash occurred but just beyond the basin within about 2 to 3 miles uh he's going to he has an enormous uh ridge line to cross you know we're talking uh, off the top of my head 3 4 maybe 5000 feet there's no way he's going to clear it yeah.
1: and, and he's already at about 10000 feet right Yeah, when he he takes off, just over ten. Yeah,
3: Yeah. just over ten when he when he goes in there into that basin, and basically he hits the basin and fades to the north side and does a right turn and then departs the airplane and crashes in the basin. And he had flaps down, half flaps, and that's significant. Uh, So half flaps (laughs) will give you a little bit of extra turning ability, slow speed. Um, but you also have some drag. I mean, the half flaps actually right. gives you probably more lift than drag, but it gives you more drag. Well, so, it,
1: and it, at that density altitude they were at, that was probably the, you know, you're probably looking at more drag than lift at that point. Yeah. Now, so, so the early, the earlier sortie though, was it a, an attempt to get out of there and they called it off and came back or
3: was it like a, just a quick sightseeing tour or
1: what, well the amazing what, what, thing
3: about my videos I'm like uh one youtuber who tends to piss people off all the time uh, you know he he, he <laughs> zaps them and then pisses them off i don't try i you know I, I I never talk about what their name is, you know, and frankly, yeah. like I said earlier, it's an action review. Any one of us could get in that same situation right.
1: so any one of
3: us important And if you think learning. you can't you're not long for aviation exactly exactly yeah so <laughs> that's a I, good point. So I did I uh, in this case the the guy's father uh, got in touch with me, and he told me what really happened so um and oh, I didn't post a video on it and uh but what happened was is they had the two photographers that were there for the wedding that uh did the wedding they were looking for a place to get the shot with the S35 with the airplane All right thank you. Okay. So they wanted to be on low level with the photographers there so they can get a shot. And uh, um, that's what that whole sortie was. That's why it's significant. And okay. they were on the ground long enough for the two photographers to drive up to the top of Bridal vale Falls. So the plan was, and I couldn't see how he thought he was going to be able to climb over that ridge line directly. Instead of spiraling up to altitude and then going to yeah. the ridge line. Yeah, yeah. He never had that plan. He was going to turn around, and that's why he had half flaps because he wanted to have. He didn't want to be fast because he wanted to and had the most time available for the photographers to get the shot crossing Bridal Veil Falls, and that's why he had the flaps down. Of course, his dad oh, didn't know just that. Horrible. It's just my, this is horrible, yeah, yeah. So, but he didn't understand turn radius at that altitude, that high density altitude. Your turn radius, you may be slow. That doesn't mean your turn radius is good. No, it's no. giant. But, your two airspeed's giant. Yeah. 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 So his tr- his, his, he had this huge turn radius and he couldn't make it. And he didn't have the energy uh, to increase it or he didn't have the altitude because he was just above the ground and he pulls too hard and the airplane departs and, and crashes. Didn't that's… Yeah, and and
1: that's horrible to hear that that specific scenario, you know, not the whole want to take a picture part, but the uh, the high density altitude, big turn radius, pull too hard because terrain in depart is played over and over and over throughout aviation history.
3: Over and over and over. Absolutely. Over and over and over.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I, I forget what it was, but there there is an FAA video on density altitude with Bonanza. And the couple departs. He's a photographer, and they depart Lakefront Airport in New Orleans and they work their way up to the mountains of Colorado and, and they almost bite it. And then they go into a long discussion about how density altitude will kill you. Yeah. So, yeah, I've
3: actually got yeah. that video. That's a yeah, good do
0: you? Yeah. yeah. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you better yeah. be in the charts if you're going to be flying around in the mountains on a hot day, well, anywhere on a hot yes. day, for that matter. Know what your yeah. density altitude is. Know what your performance is, because you can quickly wow. exceed performance in a light civil. And I think I could be wrong. I think those of us who fly big jets or tactical jets are are even more susceptible to that, because we we're used to flying airplanes with all the performance in the world, and it's just not a big consideration. And then we get out there and find out... Sometimes too late. Sometimes almost too late. Oh, this was not a good idea.
1: Yeah, it's I remember rolling me, down yeah. the
3: runway. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say flying in the mountains. For me, I'm I'm a flatlander, and every time time I've been on the mountain, I've been in the big airplanes or a fighter with a lot of thrust. And um, I just I need to I need to learn from somebody else that knows what they're doing. Before right. I I risk much uh, mountain flying. <laughs> right.
1: That's what's called being a bold aviator. You are willing to accept the fact that I don't know everything, and not bold enough to just say I'm going to go do this because
0: I can. What could go yeah. wrong? And so, what could go wrong?
1: Yeah. Okay. So there's no, there's no such thing as an old bold
3: aviator, right? Yeah. So you wanted an airline story. <laughs> I've got an airline yeah. story. Yes. Oh, so there- yes. This is actually why I am, uh, on the, uh, upset prevention recovery training soapbox. Uh, it's one of my things and, uh, uh, it would happen to me. So I'm, a flying the Fokker, uh, F-100 for American and, uh, out of Chicago and we're, I'm in the East somewhere. I can't remember New York coming to Chicago and it's a really beautiful day. Winds are pretty high and they're landing, uh, on nine. You know, they have two runways right. and they're landing on nine. And what they do, um, I don't know if you guys fly out of Chicago or DFW. They do the same working. sort of, yeah. yeah, DFW, Chicago. DFW is, uh, is north-south runways and Chicago is the east-west, but yeah. they do the same yeah. things. They bring you in and uh, they, they build a long train with holes in it. And then if you're from the opposite direction, like this day, that long train was the west. And they build a hole in there for the people coming from the east and basically you do a ten thousand foot downwind you know and then you vectors to turn in slot in behind and join that uh, conga line to shoot the uh, visual and land yeah and on that day i'm they're vectoring me behind a seven four and um uh, okay you know once upon a time i used to have radar I could just, and i know how far he is lock him up and i know where he is and how far he is i'd have situational awareness and i'm looking out the window Knowing that you know big airplanes are very deceptive about how far they are yes, and how yes. fast they're going, yes. and I'm thinking this guy's closer than he should be, you know. So they're re- recommending really close, but hey, the controller's not going to get a deal, right? <laughs> it turns out that's not quite true. They tend to run people a lot closer than uh, than uh, the official rules say, but. So we're we're behind the 7-4, coming up to uh, the final approach fix, uh, gear flaps. I'm configured, and uh, we're down. We're just set for the IF to start descending, and all of a sudden, the airplane starts shaking. You know, this is the burble of the stall, and we're on speed. I go, this can't be right. What's going on? I look at the airspeed. I look outside, and then we hit his wake, and it's like, boom, I'm in about 70 degrees of bank and the nose is Holy shit. twenty degrees. Yes. Holy shit. Right then. Just like that. And uh, I shove the throttles all the way because I'm flying. So I always have my hands on the throttle. I just shove them to the firewall and I unload and then coordinated uh, aileron and rudder and I recover. And while I'm doing that, I said, I'm sorry, I wanted the power. And the captain, I'm F.O. Captain says, I just want to make sure you had all the power there is, man. So, so we ended up recovering. We only lost a couple hundred feet and right back on the island. We go ahead and land, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't a huge altitude loss. So we didn't have to go around or anything and got our shit together, met the, uh, you know, the thousand foot requirement, all that kind of configured, all that kind of stuff. So we go ahead and land. And that's been my soapbox ever since, because, you know, you you think it'll never happen to you.
1: well. Well, uh, fighter pilot at the controls. No, I'm not knocking the people that aren't fighter pilots, but fighter pilots are used to being in unusual attitudes and in and so, yeah, uh, somebody that's not not, doesn't have that experience. Has that happen to them without training, without the URPT training that you're talking about? It's a it's a death sentence.
3: It is. Yes. Yeah.
1: So uh, well I, done, sir. Well done, yeah thanks uh, <laughs> that's that's terrifying it is i my
4: uh, palms are
1: sweating right now. I probably read about that. did you guys obviously you guys did f sapson that sort of thing. please tell me you did that. I don't remember you know i was I've slept since then, so uh yeah. oh, I know, I don't remember what I did last week half the time,
0: <laughs> right? oh goodness
1: yeah, oh, All right, I got an I got uh-huh. an F15 question for you. So Shoot. you're taking off, you're taking off an F15, full bag of gas. Uh, you know, no nothing hanging on the outside. Did you ever get an unrestricted climb? Just unrestricted cool. climb, and just tell tell me, uh, tell me what your uh, how long does it take to get to? Uh, I don't know.
3: Well, the uh, we used to call those quick climbs. We do them uh-huh. a lot. And uh-huh. as a matter of fact, I think on the second and the TX or the 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 transition phase of either the B course or the uh, T course, transition course, for formally qualified people, B is the basic course, uh, you do one. You do a quick climb. And we do okay. a tail slide as well. I mean, you, you, you go through that yeah. in the entire envelope. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So uh, I have a quick climb story for you. Hell, so, let it rip. Um,
0: oh, yeah, here we go.
3: Yeah, I got to take a, a jet to uh, Oshkosh in 96. Yeah. And uh, it was the year Snort Notgrass was there with the F-14D Plus, you know, the big motors, and he's yes. doing a routine. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. It really is. Uh, put a lot of thrust on the airplane. And uh, remember, put a, enough thrust on a bridge, it'll fly. So it yes. was doing real yeah. cool shit. But the really thing that was really pissing me off about it was is uh, – Everybody that would come up to the airplane because the eagle has two tails, the F-14 has two tails. I think I, is it's this the same top? thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like God. I'm so tired of that stuff. So <laughs> when it came time to leave, you know, I asked for a quick climb. I want uh, I want clearance to 15,000 feet, and they said, "Sure, we can do that." And uh, so I told them, "This is what I want to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna take off and a little bit of a show." I'm gonna take off. I'm gonna leave it in burner, low altitude, and then turn around over the lake, over Lake Winnebago, and then come back to 1.8. And when I get to show center, I'm gonna do the quick climb, standing on its tail. So I do that, and uh, you know this, uh, uh, the eagle with the, uh, and this is 220 motors, not 229 motors, which has more thrust. The, when I flew at Lakenheath at 229s. We were uh, 220, one one. 229. We don't know the difference, Gunny. <laughs> what's well,
0: nine among friends? Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's it? So, the 229 motor at, uh, for the Eagles at Lakenheath, your one to one thrust ratio on takeoff in an air to air configuration, which yeah. is what you just mentioned. So, yeah. it was truly awesome. So, yeah. this 220 motor airplane, I go around, I leave it in the burner because I got plenty of gas. I come back around and I'm doing probably 500 ish. Uh, when I get to show center, his Show square there at the time, Boeing square, I think now. So at that point I just went whack five G's into the vertical and then I roll. So I can, you know, I make it at 15,000 feet. I'm going to, uh, that ends up being about a three, four G turn, uh, at the top. So you're hauling, butt. it's going to take me less than a minute to get there. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm vertical now passing 3,000 feet and the tower controller says, Hey, we need you to level off at 3,000 feet. Yeah. Good luck said, with that. <laughs> I, said, yeah, I, can't, I can't do that.
0: But Well, I can, if
3: you don't mind me going to 15 first. <laughs> yeah. Well, I said, I might be able to give you, you know, five ish, you know, so let me do what I can do. So <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I just do a break turn because I still yeah. had a lot of smash yeah. break turn level off put it and leave it in burner and out i go yeah that's
1: that's impressive um so from the from the f4 transition to the f15 just bfm stuff you know f4 was fairly high wing loaded f15 is a kind of a light wing loaded so i'm i'm guessing when you started doing bfm in the f15 you were like oh shit yeah
3: yeah it it was uh, different i uh we did BFM and the F-4, and it was all energy management. You know, yeah. uh, you didn't have an awful lot of energy. You run out real quick, and you grovel. And uh, that's basically <laughs> the – Sounds like a Harrier, Fig. Yeah, yep. I like a Harrier. You had your one bat turn,
0: and then yeah. that was it.
3: You were done. That was yeah. it. <laughs> well, in the Eagle, especially the 229 motor airplane, <laughs> um, you would definitely – you would have to manage. So instead of parking it in burner all the time, you know, if you're – if you you got to be careful because if you're if you' in burn before you know you're doing six hundred knots wondering why the guy's converting on you when you're doing nine g's right because your turn your turn is radius
1: is as big as a b fifty twos turn radius
3: <laughs> exactly yeah. Yeah. so uh yeah you got to manage your speed and that's the key is is that it was it was just so fun to fly because either their offensive or defensive uh visibility was fantastic and uh, the feedback on the airplane um so, you know, flying the T thirty eight and then the F four, it's all about how how much the elephants are dancing on your wings, yeah. You know, uh, and <laughs> you're max performing the airplane. The elephants are really pounding on the wings, and uh, the F fifteen is just a it's just a, a fantastic airplane. You still get the buffet, but it's not you know severe energy deficit kind of a thing. It was an amazing airplane to fly. I, yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. I can only so imagine. We,
1: we've uh, we we had okay. a uh, we've had another F-15 guy on Father, uh, Father Mike, and um, he, he he had a lot of time in the airplane and nothing horrible to say about it. Actually, it was all good. But he he was fighting the guy that broke in half. Uh, oh Missouri, really? Yeah, Missouri Air Guard. Uh, it, it, the guy, you know that it broke. The fuselage broke right behind the cockpit, and he was offensive on this guy when it happened. And the way he tells it, is is well, he's yeah. a funny. He, t- he tells a good story anyway, but when he tells it, it's uh,
0: it's good. Like the image of that airplane breaking in half is seared into my brain for it the is. rest of my life. You
1: know, it's Let's like, see, one of our mad. podcasts. Of, I can't <laughs> remember the episode, but he's he's a funny guy, and uh, I've known him a long time. Well, he tells a good story, but yeah,
3: you something you said triggered that. That, yeah. that thought. Yeah, it's probably what so, it would look like if you got a missile hit. You know, yeah, where yeah. it hit mid mid fuselage and it just blows up in half. Eh.
0: We got another question from the uh, from the viewers, and uh, I think that uh, the uh, the answer is going to be disappointing. What's it like to go from transonic to supersonic? <laughs> uh,
3: it is kind of disappointing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, in the and the 38. You know, in pilot training, you do your first ride. They call it your dollar ride. And you go supersonic, okay, we did it, okay, fine, so you don't notice, you don't hear anything. uh you see when you go through the mock, and this is in the old days, you know, when he had round dials, it would do yeah. that, and okay yeah we're we're fast, and that was it, and we're burning a hell of a lot of gas, so uh, <laughs> and in the uh, in the eagle, um it was really easy to go supersonic, so um, it was not a big deal. And it's actually one of the tactics you when you're shooting long-range missiles. You know, we do a wall, got four guys out, and we're going to shoot. We want to be really fast because whatever speed you have it, is a part of the missile. So you get a much longer leg shot. Uh, so yeah, you go super okay. sc- You're
1: giving it uh, more uh, kick out the door. More initial. Uh, yeah. okay. from, from, uh, from another listener, uh, predominantly or historically, fighters are designed – With the gun having a little uh, positive cant, Uh, fighters and and attack airplanes have a little, you know, negative cant, or or maybe I'm saying that backwards. But basically, uh, a fighter's gun is pointed up a little bit, and attack airplanes' guns are pointed down a little bit. So you don't have to be as steep when you're strafing, and you don't have to pull as much lead uh, when you're fighting Uh, air-to-air. F-15E strike or strike eagle is the gun it up or down, or it's is the it, same
3: it? as it's the same as a uh, uh, what we call light race, you know the okay. the uh, CDBs. It's exactly the okay. same. It's just over right. two degrees it up. Yeah. So uh, the I never really was crazy about strafe until we got the PGU uh, uh, twenty-eight bullet. So the M fifty-one bullet is the standard twenty millimeter bullet, and you know you have to be you're Uh, flight path vector has to be low on the target you have because it's got a two degree cant, and that's so you already have two degrees of lead you know so you don't have to pull quite as much when you're in a in a gunfight so when you're trying to strafe a target um especially with that bullet because it it had a max range i want to say you know it was probably effective uh out to about 1500 2000 ish feet depending yeah. and uh, which isn't much and it had a, a dispersal dispersion of greater eight mills which is really big at that yeah. distance so sure. you're not getting a lot of bullets in in the, in the target and that means that you have to depress your nose and during the recovery if you don't do it just right in other words you acquire the target you get into range it says you're in range you fire and then you recover and you don't watch you don't look at anything else because you're below the flight path and generally uh for a low angle strafe you get out about 75 feet above the ground oh shit yeah
0: <laughs> okay
3: yeah and, and the uh, beauty
0: of all these jets now is they're they're so magic as you know you just we put a we put a little pipper dot on the deck or on the target and squeeze the trigger and that's where the rounds hit the computer yeah. takes all your speed and wins and all that stuff into account it's magic.
3: Pure it is magic. magic. <laughs> when P-F-M. it came out, of, the PGU 28 was, it's the same basic nose shape. But what they did is they put a boat tail on it. So it's got the same, uh, same brain, basically, uh, uh-huh. you know, the same, uh, charge, uh, powder charge. Just, same muzzle just, lost. It's drag. Go ahead. Well, it's less back. The, the boat tail. It reduces the drag so much oh, that you yes. basically have you have uh and uh, I have slept since then, but I think the dispersion is about one mil at six thousand feet. That's that's it's crazy. A, it's, it's, a like sni- it's like
1: a sniper. like right? a sniper sniper
3: <laughs> bullet being fired out of a Gatling gun. See? Exactly. Yeah. It's what it is, man. It is. It is truly <laughs> yeah. amazing, and wow, you get standoff. Cool. I mean. You know, you could do – the snapshots are amazing. You know, yeah. it's really cool.
2: So here's awesome. a little
3: story. Uh, the, uh, God, I can't remember the name of the battle in Afghanistan where uh, Strike Eagle strafes the uh, the guys uh, that are trying to uh, – I think it was a downed helicopter, and God, I can't remember the name of the battle. It was kind of famous, but last minute, you know, kind of a last-ditch thing, uh, yeah. the Strike Eagle guy strafed the bad guys and saved – the good guys. And uh, I was one of his uh, instructors in the uh, transition course. Nice. So, Yeah. It's like, okay, I don't know how to
1: stray for shit, but I, he does.
3: <laughs> well, apparently
1: you taught him pretty damn good.
3: Yeah. Every now and again, a blind squirrel finds a nut. <laughs> <That's
1: great. laughs> well, repeat, we're coming upon almost two hours of this man's time. Yeah. What do you
3: think? Want to take five let's minutes have him ba- let's come back? Let's just
1: have him back. Let's have him back.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, back would be good because I'm actually okay. in the hangar and it's a hundred degrees here. Oh so, shit! Uh, I saw you wiping your I saw you wiping your head a couple of times. I I see the airplane.
1: I figured you were in a hangar, but I had no idea how hot it was for you. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it's
3: been hot, been on the hot side. But to have this as a background and something else, no, that's okay. an awesome background.
0: Well, super. Well, we'll get you back very soon. Then keep keep this going. We absolutely love it. And thank you for your time. Uh, thank yes. you for oh, your you service. I, I,
3: I enjoyed it. And As remember, we. any story only has to be 10% true.
0: <laughs> That's right. Well, if, and once it's on the internet, it becomes all true is not everything on the internet true? absolutely <laughs> Come on. you know it, although I, I do have to say you know, he was a wise man I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said you can't believe everything you read on the internet but <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you may
3: not be able to talk about it did,
0: did you say you and Juan are considering doing something together
3: yeah we've uh, we've done a couple of episodes of a podcast we call BS works and okay. uh, we have uh, it's sporadic we don't really have a schedule right now but uh one of the fun ones we did was uh, we talked to this guy named uh, uh larry lee who was uh, flying an l39 at reno and had a midair and the, uh, another airplane hit him and almost knocked his tail off actually knocked it into the cruciform and oh, he shoot. has an incredible story he just he he did an amazing job lived to tell the tale and uh, set the airplane down uh Europe landing, but uh, survived, and wow. it's just tremendous,
1: tremendous,
0: that's fantastic.
1: Oh, well, so yeah, we, I, I need to know when that's
3: coming out. I want to, hear, I want to hear that. Yeah. Well, it's already on. Uh, it's called BS Works, and okay. uh, it's already on on Flywire. Uh, and I haven't actually figured out how to do all the podcast thing, put it out there as a podcast, but
0: uh, I will. Oh, that's that's outstanding. All right, well, thanks, thanks. you, honey. Yeah. And, uh, thank you. Uh, also to you from, uh, Chase Cole. He says, uh, awesome. Thanks Gunny. Such an enjoyable show tonight and a great way to end the weekend. Excellent as always. And uh, can't wait to hear more Gunny stories. Uh, never any fun. Chase actually runs our social media, uh, Facebook group and is doing a great job for us. there. much appreciated, uh, to you for, for that chase. Um, we also need to thank uh, Dave Hamilton over at Backbeat Media. He helps us uh, put this show together, gives us the the knowledge and the know-how to, to do that. This week, as this show comes out, we're going to put another show into the feed, and it's called The Compulsive Storyteller. And we're going to put one of his episodes in there called Me Too Mom, about his uh, mom becoming uh, one of the first female pilots in the World War II era. And he's going to put our show with Tammy Joe into his feed swap. So a little feed swapping going on there, trying to expand audiences in both directions. So cool. we really appreciate that. Two new pilot patrons this week, Peter Duncan, thank you very much for joining up. And then- call sign Spe- donuts. Duncan, there you go. Donuts, well done, Fig. <laughs> and then uh, Jason Spears really stepped up and he uh, threw a couple Benjamins in our direction, but he tasked Fig with coming up with a call sign for John uh, D- D'Angelo. Or Dangelo. Don, Dangelo. Dangelo. John D'Angelo, who turned Jason onto the show. So let him have it, Fig. Well, his call sign is
1: But explain where why first. Well, he, you know, he lives in West Virginia. Let's just start with that. And okay. of course, you know, his last name. Uh so uh, his call sign is uh Degabilly. <laughs> oh, standing <Degabilly>. John <laughs> <right>. Degabilly Dangelo. <laughs>
0: All right. A couple other quick things. We do have a, uh, a glossary page. So if we've used a term and you don't understand it, it's not on the glossary. Write to us at fig at sothereiwas.us, repeat at sothereiwas.us, or sticks. So there it was.us. Ask us to get it on the glossary page and we will make it. So send us a photo of where you're listening to the show. We've got one from Mount Fuji. We've got one from Vermont. We've got one from New Zealand and we've got one from New Jersey so far. We're putting those up on the Facebook group. Get those out to us, folks. Let's get a bunch more of those. Absolutely love. Someone said, well, this place isn't that cool. Well, if you're listening to this show, it's cool now, baby. So. That's right. That's totally right. And then some gear. Where are you going to get some uh, some cool So There I Was gear fig?
1: At, at at the merch store. So there I was, dot U.S.
0: slash merch. Indeed. And uh, finally, two last thank yous tonight. First of all, to our sponsor, Bebel at com slash So There I Was. Get 55% off at your language learning journey. Get started on that right away, Ed. So, Muchas gracias. What Fig said.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm really working on my Espanol, man. It's there awesome. There you go.
0: And then uh, there's a couple other folks. I always seem to forget who they are. Who are they, Fig? Well, those are the two F-16 pilots that make the Air Force sound good. They are. Dos. Indeed. Gringos. They are indeed. So here they come. Thanks very much for letting us use your music, gents. Thank you again, Gunny, for coming in with us. We're you, deeply appreciated. Absolutely. Right. Thanks for having Until me. next week, you're most welcome. And until next week, everyone stay safe and check six.
2: Well, there I was, crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fun. Of all the shit I was wearing on that day. Now an F-16 is cramped enough, but it's even worse with all that stuff supposed to save your life. But we knew there was no way. Cause when you're going down the North Atlantic, man, it's over.
0: What do you say, Fig? He said it's over. Yeah, it is.
2: I want you to kill every golfer on the court.
0: Check me if I'm wrong, Sandy, but if I kill all the golfers, they're gonna lock me up to throw away <laughs> a key. <laughs>
1: You gotta give me a little warning. I didn't even see that coming. That was good. I just I peed myself a little bit.
4: Just now.